Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a code, Dr. Koopa2016. They will give you, I believe it's a 10% discount. I wear them all the time. Uh, I've bragged about them for the last 20 years. It's it's a shoe with a really neat-looking spring. A lot of people don't think they look cool, but I love them, and I like being a little different anyway. But it takes about 60 65% of the pounding off your body, and I just bought myself another pair here recently, and I, I wear them till they wear out. I, I use them to cut grass, to walk, whatever I'm going to do where I'm on my feet a lot, I'll use them, and it's just a wonderful thing. So if you, if you like to exercise and you're going to be on your feet, like walking, and even if you want to jog, and I, I would rather you didn't jog, but some people aren't going to listen, uh, the Z-Coil will take three miles of jogging and make it feel like one on your poor body. But if you keep running too much, you're going to wear your body out. You work out in the gym too much, you'll wear the body out. If you do cardio forever, you're still pushing it to the limits. The body doesn't need for you to do that to it. So swimming, walking, bicycle riding, um, working outside, cutting your own grass. Uh, I'm one of those people, I, I do my own yard work. Uh, God willing, I'll be able to do it till the day I die. I like that. It saves me uh, $25 a week, and it's good exercise. So that's another one that I like doing because it's a lot of walking. So that helps with being a diabetic because if you get out and start walking, we burn off some of that uh, stored fat because what happens a lot of times, too many carbs and sugars the body can't use all that, so it stores it as fat. And we just add more and more. And if you have a job where you're active, you can burn off a lot of that and you'll stay a little healthier. But a lot of people are stuck in an office or a store and they don't get they don't get to move around as much as you did when you were growing up as a kid. So guess what? We gained some weight. Uh, I personally would like to get rid of about 15 to 20 pounds, so I'll be glad to give it away to anybody that would like it. But that's partly because I'm stuck in an office years ago when I was an electrician. I never had to worry about an extra 10 or 15 pounds because I walked it off every day. So walking, great thing. Swimming, great thing. If you're a diabetic, those are good starts. Pull back on the carbs and sugars and call me and we'll talk about it and I'll help you get get your life back, and guess what? We'll get to see some miracles. Everybody's different, so I'll try different things, and your body will give us feedback and help me with what's going on. You know, it, your body will make me look really smart because you'll give me the feedback, and I listen, and that works really well. Well, we are getting close to that time of the evening. I, I like to tell everybody how much I truly appreciate being here and having you listen and getting a chance to 
share in your health and, and your busy week. It, it means so much to me. If you haven't noticed by now, this is a crazy passion of mine. I love helping people. It, it's just, you know, if I know you have a problem and I don't get to help, it drives me absolutely crazy. Uh, so if you've got a problem, don't call and tell me about it and then don't let me help because I'll go nuts. I'll worry. Uh, I've had a couple of people recently who've done just that. They call me and then they said they're going to get back to me and I'm still waiting. So it drives me crazy. But as always, it is a pleasure and an honor to be here. And I love your input. Every week I have plenty of ideas from other people. Uh, I didn't get to touch on it much today, but uh, all those medical tests are mostly absolutely unnecessary and bad for you and lead you down a really bad road. We'll talk more about that next week because I got asked about that right as I was going on air and I didn't have time to get involved with it today. But may God bless you all with health and happiness. And please treat others like you wish to be treated. And I know some days that's difficult but there'll be days that it's difficult for them to treat us that way because we've done something. And please, please be very quick to listen and truly listen and very, very slow to speak. Until next time, you all have a very, very nice day, evening, night, whatever time it might be when you're listening. And uh, God willing, I will see you next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central Time. Thank you much. Seems the love I've known has always been the most destructive kind. Guess that's why now I feel so old before my time. Yesterday, when I was young, the taste of life was sweet. Here's an important message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. 
TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. As you know, this is the final stage in your examination. It's a rather informal test in which we try to get some line on your ability to think on your feet. Your reaction to stress and pressure. Clear your desk. Get your number two pencil ready. If you are ready, the Inquisition is about to begin. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. If you have questions, please refer them to the chat room and make them good. Go ahead. Make my day. yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bonk? Live from Houston, Texas, a man who calls it like he sees it, without the normal political correctness he may have grown comfortable with. It's time for the Texas Perspective on current news and events. The show is not for the faint of heart or easily offended. Chances are you will learn something and along the way get to hear some great music from bands you may have missed. The doctor is in, and he will see you now. Well, I guess we better get on with it. Well, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to get on with it here on the amazing Doc Green Show. I want to thank all of our new listeners for joining us. I understand i got a lot of people out there in Kerrville listening on FM, so would definitely like to say hello to... Uh, John Jarnicky, president of the Republic of Texas, my good buddy Steve O'Brien, who's out there probably putting in computers today because he's not on the radio all the time. It's, uh, it's a great opportunity to be here, and we certainly enjoy being with you every day, every chance that we possibly can get to be with you. We want to be with you on the Doc Green Show. So Anyway, want to get started. I always like to start with Texas because, let's face it, this is a Texas-centric radio station, and we like to talk about Texas. I know some of you guys live all over the United States and God knows how many foreign countries. I haven't seen the latest report. Last time I looked at it, it was something like 46 foreign countries. So uh, you're all welcome, and we enjoy having you here. And we do have a live chat room on the uh, amazing Doc Green Show channel, which you can find on YouTube. You just go to uh, hashtag amazing Doc Green Show. You can chat with me there. You can ask, ask me questions, uh, request music to be played, things like that. Uh, I'll play just about anything except for the Beatles. Every time I play the Beatles, I get my, my pee-pee wax, so I quit doing that. But uh, right here in Texas, according to Jonathan Shaw, anyway, the state leaders are insisting the Texas Juvenile Justice Department has identified ways it can cut its budget from $16.8 million all the way down, well, they're going to cut 2.8% out of that. Uh, but it's not going to actually happen until 2018, so don't get too excited. But they they want a $170 million bump so they can comply with existing state and federal laws and fix up some of its battered facilities and bolster behavioral programs. Once again, this is one of the problems you have when you have something that 
everybody owns. Because if you have something that everybody owns, well, nobody takes care of it. And there you have it. So that's what's happened with our juvenile justice system. Now, years ago, I had a band called Timepiece, me and my buddy Leonard Wong out of San Antonio. We, uh, we got together with Buddy Reiniger, we created this band, and we went out and did Christian street ministry. We were doing mostly original stuff, some cover stuff, but it was a big band. I mean, it was a rock band with horns. And we would frequently go out on the streets of San Antonio uh, we had a favorite car wash on the south side of town, and we would set up the band, and we would play good Christian music, songs with a message, because a lot of them we had written. And while we're doing this, people would come up, they would listen to it, and uh, then we'd preach a little bit. And then if there was anyone that wanted to get filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, well, we would facilitate that to happen through one of the local churches in the area. We used to do a lot of that. The other thing that we used to do is we used to go up to the prison system in Giddings, and we would play for the inmates there. Once again, the objective being to minister to these kids. Right now, we're warehousing these kids in facilities that are beat to death. They're not cleaned up. They're not painted well. Uh, there's just a lot of destruction. And in spite of the gazillion dollars uh, that we're, we're talking about, 16 well, let me see. They want to cut the budget by $16.8 million. It's still $170 million that they're spending on this. So this is good news. They want to fix it. The bad news is I'm not sure these are the people we can trust to fix it. But back in June, our top elected officials told most of the agencies to draw up their budget request because the legislative session is about to begin. Here in Texas, we have a legislature that meets every two years for a short period of time, a much better system than, for instance, the one that has destroyed America, where the legislators get paid a ridiculous sum of money to go to Washington, D.C., sit in air-conditioned rooms, drink, lob drink uh, champagne and eat lobster, and reflect on all the good they can do with all of that money anyway. In Texas, we don't do that. 2017 legislative session is about to begin, and what we're trying to do is cut all of the departments by at least 4%. Now, for some of you to say, wow, oh, man, that's sweeping, sweeping cuts there. I, I'm here to tell you that if there was any brain power being used on this, we'd be talking about how to cut our budgets by 50%. Because let me tell you, back in the day when Nancy Pelosi got the checkbook, and she went about destroying America during the last two years last two years of Bush 43's reign. We had to make those kind of cuts in my company. We went from having nine employees, all of them making healthy salaries, down to three. And one of those being my wife working for free. So that's what we had to do around here. But we did it because why? We're a private business. We wanted to survive. And... By the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, 22 years later, my company does still exist in spite of the, according to the latest economic averages, over 600,000 businesses that virtually disappeared since Nancy Pelosi got the checkbook. So why is the state government not making similar cuts? Well, they're not making similar cuts because, you see, they don't have to. They don't have to live on a budget like you do. No, the state government... If they need more money, they just uh, they just go out there and, well, they do kind of like a preacher I heard one time. He said, good news is we want to build this uh, new youth center. It's going to be a fabulous place. 
And the other good news is that we have enough money to build it. The bad news is that money's still in your pocket, so dig deep. Well, that's kind of the way the state does, except for the state backs that up with uh, a little bit of power. They, uh, they back that up with guns, and they say, uh, look, you either pony up the money or we just come in and, well, we'll smash up your place of business. We'll take all your cash registers. We'll seize your bank accounts. We will put a chain on your door. We will lock you out. We will force you to fire all of your employees because, you see, you will not be able to conduct business anymore. That's the way the state does it. And, of course, some of you think that I'm being a little over the top. Well, that's exactly what happened recently to a business right here in Texas. That's the way they do business. So, anyway, instead of cutting its budget, the juvenile uh, behavioral correctional system saying, look, we've got to have $170 million more to our $600 million biennium budget. Particularly worrisome is another budget scenario under which agencies have been asked to contemplate a 10% reduction. Oh, my God. Imagine that, having to make a 10% reduction. But yet, as I'm talking to you, I bet most of you, like me, have made 50% reductions to your cost of living because you had to. I know there are some people out there that were fortunate enough to be in lines of business that were less affected by the recession inflicted upon us by the Democrats. But I'll bet most of you have had to make adjustments. And I say that because I know very successful doctors and lawyers personally that have had to make huge budget cuts just to get by. In one particular case, an oil man, very wealthy. I mean, you know, got the Bentley out there in the driveway next to the Rolls Royce. And, and they're saying things like, we know we have a lot of repairs that need to be done here, but... We just want to do the repairs. We don't want to upgrade anything. We just need enough to get by because we're having a terrible year. Well, that's all due to the Democrats, the Democrat economy, and the pusillanimous Republicans that are powerless in Washington to do anything in spite of the fact that they do have veto-proof majorities in the House and certainly a solid majority in the Senate. But they claim, oh, we, we can't do anything. You know, I, I know that we lied to you when we told you if you would just give us the Senate, then we could do something. Well, we gave them the Senate, didn't they? What did they do with it? They did nothing because that's who they are. They're pusillanimous. They're feckless. They're worthless. And they should all be fired. Back to the Texas budget. Although uh, the TJJD has identified areas where they could make a 10% reduction as required. Such reductions would place the agency out of compliance with state and federal law and would undermine their ability to promote public safety and produce positive youth outcomes, the agency stated in its budget request. Well, let me tell you why. A big part of that is the fact we have so many stinking illegal aliens in the state of Texas, they are absolutely overwhelming the Texas judicial system. How do you fix that problem? Well, you could fix that problem, for instance, if you had a guy by the name of Greg Abbott, um, you know, Mr. Spine of Steel in the wheelchair there, and uh, all he's got to do is say, you know, in spite of the fact that I'm spending almost half of 1% of our Texas budget on the border, maybe I should treat the border a little bit more seriously. Maybe I should spend, oh, my God, maybe I should even up that to, say, 2%. 
Oh, the Texas budget. Yeah, I should take 2% of the Texas budget and put that in border protection. And maybe we could defend our borders. We wouldn't have this problem. We wouldn't have all these illegal aliens committing crime and sucking up our justice system dollars. But, hey, that's just me. I'm nuts. Anyway, we're optimistic that the legislature will agree these cuts would be counterproductive, said Lauren Rose, director of Youth Justice Policy with Texans Care for Children. She said, in fact, we're optimistic the legislature will go the other direction and make the additional investments that they need to keep our community safe and to put our youth on a path to be productive, healthy members of our community. The agency lockups are projected to house between 1,386 and 1,403 youths in the next budget biennium. According to the Legislative Budget Board, the count as of Friday was 1,329 people. That's higher than expected and more than what the agency has funded to handle. The numbers may seem small, but the agency stresses that these troubled youth, ages 6 to 17, tend to come to the agency with aggression issues. Oh, you think? You mean these little gangbanger bastards that are coming across our southern border by the tens of thousands? Yeah, those guys. The ones that Barack Obama invited to come in and the ones that our feckless governor is incapable of keeping out. Yeah, those. Some of those kids as young as 10 have committed murder in the name of their gang. Whether it's the Sinaloa's, whether it's the MS-13s, I mean, there's so many of them, it's hard to keep track. But that's who these kids are. They're gangbangers. They are not here to become productive Texans. Oh, no, they're replacing, they're pre-placing, pre-placing an army here in Texas. And we need to be aware of that. We need to be paying attention to it. We need to be thinking about this. So anyway, I digress. Let me get back to it where I was. And hey, Phil Waits joined me in a chat room in there. I'll just say howdy to Phil. I appreciate it. If you want to be in the chat, you want to be a part of the show, all you got to do is go to the hashtag AmazingDocGreenShow on YouTube, and you too can join this. So anyway, the agency has statutory requirements, including one from the Prison Rape Elimination Act that requires a set ratio of correctional officers to youth. The agency also hopes for more money to support probation initiatives because we don't want to keep these kids in jail. We need to get them out as soon as possible. And this will expand positive youth development programs for these young killers that are coming across the border. And it'll pay for vehicle replacement, increased salaries, address medical and psychiatric care, modernize information technology systems. You know, I could like it if they'd replace my vehicle. You know, the van that I drive, it's a 1999. It's got 225,000 miles on it. You know why I drive that van? Because I can't afford a new car payment right now. But the state needs new cars. There's no fixing these old ones. Anyway, they hope for more money to support all of these things. They want to increase salaries. That's so very important. You know, there was a point in time when you worked for the government because while you may not have been the best at what you did, you were at least semi-competent, and you could go to the work for the government. You would not make as much as you would in the private sector were you more skilled but at least in the government, you could provide some service, and in exchange for that, your, your salary might be a little lower, but the perks, absolutely amazing perks. 
And that's the way it used to be, but not anymore. Today, people who work in government make more than their more talented counterparts on the outside. But I remember back in another lifetime many years ago when I worked for the Army Air Force Exchange System, uh, not long after I'd gotten out of the military, and I remember working for that, and I remember seeing the zombies that worked around me. And when I finally, when I finally decided that I did I couldn't stay there. I realized all of a sudden that, man, if I stay here and I keep doing this, I'm going to become just as worthless as these people. I can't allow that to happen. And that's what I told them when I quit. I said, you know, the main reason I'm quitting here is not the low wage I'm making. It's certainly not the work. I actually enjoy the work. It's because I'm afraid if I stay here, then I am going to become like you. And that, to me, is a fate worse than death. So, um, anyway, we want to make sure that that doesn't happen. Thank you guys for being on the Amazing Doc Green Show. I just got a Facebook request. Somebody said, uh, shoot me a link to your chat. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and post that link here. I'm going to post it on Facebook in case you want to be with me live. So there is a live link on Facebook. You guys can join that. And I'm going to share that with uh, with Wilbur here. Yeah, Wilbur, we'd like to get him in on the deal. So we'll do that. The uh, number to call, 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980. That's the number to call if you want to join on the uh, Amazing Doc Green Show today. one 800 932 1980 932 1980 We'd love to have you in on the day. Uh we do we do take phone calls here here on this show. And we appreciate it very much. We've got a lot of good stuff coming in tomorrow. You guys do not want to miss tomorrow's show. We're going to have Captain Tommy Attaway, author of the book We Defy. He's going to be live in the studio right here. I do not want you to miss that. I need to remind you that I am broadcasting from the selfdefensefund.com studio. Selfdefensefund.com. If you have a weapon, especially if you carry a weapon, but even if you just have one in your home, what you need to do is you need to get the selfdefensefund.com. Selfdefensefund.com is your choice for self-defense. You see, unlike some of those other insurance funds out there that only cover you should you use a weapon in your defense, unlike some of those others that if you have the insurance, what you do is you pay out of pocket for your defense, and then they reimburse you. Well, with selfdefensefund.com, that is not the way that it works. It's really easy to get this, but they pay for everything. For two people, seventeen fifty a month covers both of you, and that's the package that I have for my wife and I. I pay for it. I don't get it free. I write the check every month, or you can get it by the year and get a discount, $210 for, for a whole year. You can use PayPal, however you want to do it. But selfdefensefund.com, and uh, just click on it there and sign up. It takes mere seconds. They take PayPal. They take credit cards. 
you could be insured today. I don't know if you're aware of this, but should you ever have to defend yourself in your home and you end up having to seriously injure someone or, God forbid, kill that someone, you are likely going to be arrested. You are likely going to go to jail. Now, that's better than being dead, isn't it? But what if you don't have any way to afford that? What if you can't afford that? Well, if you can't afford that, then you're going to have a real hard time. So with selfdefensefund.com, you just pay your, your $17.50 a month. That covers you and, and your wife, and you're covered. They pay for everything up front. They provide, as they, I quote them, a junkyard dog lawyer to defend you. In addition to that, they have shoot-no-shoot shoot classes. Um, they support open carry Texas, which is one of my other favorites, and I give them money every month. But if you got to, if they got to bring in expert witnesses, you don't pay for that. They do. Everything you need to defend yourself, you're going to get that from selfdefensefund.com. And you should know that, be aware of it, and have that be part of your life. So anyway, I just wanted to get that all in there for you. We are broadcasting from the selfdefensefund.com studios. And they were also one of our major supporters and sponsors for the big deal we did up at the Capitol this weekend. And I do want to thank all the people for, that were there Saturday. And I want to thank all the people that paid for it but were not there Saturday. Because they were not there Saturday. But they did send me a check. And I appreciate that very much. We were not able to cover all of the expenses involved, but we did cover a lot of them. And for that, I am grateful. And I appreciate it when you do that. It does make a difference. So um, I've got a lot of other stories I'm going to get to here today on the Doc Green Show. It's going to be nonstop drinking from the fire hose quality stuff as we go on. And uh, I appreciate you guys being a part of the show today. I'm going to have some good music for you. So uh, stick around for that. The... uh, Here's an interesting story. I just thought I ought to read this to you. Aha! Have a call. Wilbur from Texas. Well, put him on. We haven't tried the call system before, folks. We're going to find out how well it works. Well, is it working? And let's see. That'll make a difference. Wilbur, are you there? I am here. here. Welcome aboard. aboard. Well, all right, it's good to hear you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Wilbur Witt, Jr., the author of many great books and the regular contributor to the Doc Green Show and the Damn Good Times. Wilbur, how the heck are you, buddy? Doc, I got a feeling so good this morning. I'm going to be better and better and more than and boom, and boom. <laughs> yeah, it reminds, reminds me of another guy that once, once said, if I was any better, I'd be twins. <laughs> yeah. Well, a crazy one told me, my girlfriend, former girlfriend, crazy one told me, I wish there were two of myself. It'd be so cool to hang out with me. I think that's how Donald Trump looks at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm uh, getting all plugged in here. I can't seem to access the chat wing yet, but I will. Uh, I want to be the one to test out your phone lines and make sure they're up and everything. I put out that last article. Uh, thank you so much for uh, uh, giving me a tip of the hat yesterday. I appreciate that. Tip of the spirit thing was one of my better works. Uh, 
Well, Ted and I are working on something else for you uh, with some people from Harvard uh, and people from New York on the algorithm, and you'll love it. We're going to throw it to you. And we're still working on that other little project I told you about on Saturday. But it's so good uh, to hear you going FM, AM, DM, AM, and PM, and all that kind of stuff. I'm really glad. (laughs) Well, Wilbur, I thank you for that. Uh, Wilbur Witt's been a contributor to my show now for several years, and Wilbur blames me. Uh, he was happily retired, sitting out on the back porch, uh, watching people go by, shooting golf, having a nice uh, scotch and, and a cigar. And then he heard my show, and I got him all fired up. And now here he is back in the fray. Did, did that sum it up yeah. fairly well, Wilbur? Well, getting on your show about three or four years ago was kind of like that chicken standing at the side of the freeway looking to get across <laughs> thinking, what could go wrong? well i guess we found out now you're a regular columnist again i mean so much for your retirement but i've read a lot of your stuff on my show because you've got a way of saying things that nobody else can can say and i strongly recommend everybody to subscribe to your channel how can they how can they daily subscribe to your channel wilbur witt uh you go to basically i come out of uh blog spot and look up um, Simple Old Boy from Austin, or Wilbur Witt, something like that. And I, I feed out a blog spot. Crystal Lee Laramore uh, taught me something I didn't know. I'd still contribute and write for the, the Tea Party Tribune, Patriotic, 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 Patriotic Warriors. Uh, and, other than you, of course, you know, you're my main guy. Uh, but uh, Crystal was telling me I wasn't getting any numbers. Nobody knew <clears throat> because all the numbers were everywhere else. So I feed from the blog spot now so that I can see whether well, this was good, that was bad, whatever. Um, with, like, the Tribune, if I hit the front page, then I'll give them a little taste of the sugar cookie the next day and boost their numbers up, too. But mainly, uh, for all you listeners out there, I write for Doc Green. He's the one. He, I danced with the one that brought me, and he brought me into this. Before this, I was a comedian from Austin and Nashville, and I knew about as much about politics as Hillary Clinton does. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, well, I I, had, I, I, had, I like I, how you put that. Uh, I just found one weird Wilbur at WordPress. Is that a good one? Yes, the same thing. I come out of WordPress. Um, oh, let me think here. Um, this is a fresh article. It's uh, dated September fourth. That's just two days ago. Yeah. That's where I took on the Colleen Independent School District. <laughs> I want to tell you funny on this we go. Uh, blog, blogger.com, blogger.com, and I am a simple O O L apostrophe at the top boy from Austin. And that will get uh, everything I do comes out of there no matter what. All right, um, simple old boy from Austin. Didn't you write a book by that yeah. title? Yes, I did. You, you influenced me and gave me that title. Yeah, <laughs> I... Uh, I read that book. It was a good read. Nice thing about that particular book is it's uh, it's uh, in separate little chapters, and it's one of those things you can kind of lay on the coffee table and you know you got three, four, five minutes, pick it up and read a chapter. Uh, it's not like a book where you got to sit there and read it from start to finish. You know, it's a, it's a, just a good read. I wrote that uh, that way to accommodate the call center kids working in Austin, where mm-hmm. you get a fifteen minute break. And you've got your pad or your iPhone, and if they want to read my book, they can go out there and have their break and have a cup of coffee, and they can catch a chapter before they have to go back to work. 
It was all designed for the modern Austin mind, actually. <laughs> and, and it worked. It, it worked. This thing on what I did yesterday, uh, now we'll go into details, just let the readers read it. Uh, as you know, I went through a little thing with the, uh, the local school district here, and I'll tell you about that personally uh, on the phone later. It got funny. It gets funnier as we go along. By the way, Pop and New Baby are now members of the talented and gifted people in Salt Lake City. Okay? Don't oh, tell me about that. Anyway, yeah. But, uh, well, they were, they were, the school district down here, Pam, Pam came down, my, my ex, uh, came down and brought the kids. Um, as you know, she has a, a heart problem. And she came down, she has to, once or twice a year, she has to go to Austin Heart, and she has to uh, get checked up, tuned up, and everything. So she gets a stint while she's down here. The children were already enrolled in Utah in school. Now, they homeschool also, okay? Dual deal. Yeah. So she gets down here, she gets down here, and she goes over for a checkup, and Pam's tough. She's like Joanne. Uh, she goes <laughs> in the morning, she gets a stint, she gets a stint, and if she drops back for a slot, she's on the way home. I mean, that's how tough she really is. <laughs> but she thought well, it did. It did take a little wind out of her sails, and we kind of blew the kitchen up frying catfish. So we're over at the other house, and she said, "Well, I'm going to throw the kids in school for a week while I rest up, just to have them out of the way, and then I'll drive back to to Salt Lake, you know, first of next week." Well, lo and behold, uh, the shoes were wrong. They were so ignorant. They were homeschooled. My God, we can't have it. Utah schools are. So substandard, even if they're going to, never mind most five-year-olds and you talk and read the Book of Mormon. Let's just forget about all that, okay? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, what are we, we going to do? I know what we'll do. We'll call the CPS. They'll fix this right up. <laughs> well, I know they will, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Pam jumped, Pam jumped on her horse, and within the twinkle of an eye, she was back in Salt Lake, where she was welcomed with open arms. The kids got talented and gifted classes given to them. Free iPods. They're in. Oh, boys club, girls club, dog club. Oh, sorry about that. That was my mistake. Go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, got it there. So yesterday, uh, no, day before yesterday, I sat down and I wasn't going to hit uh, the school district here early on that that quick. I was going to hit them, but I wasn't going to hit them at heart. Because after talking to you, I was, I was really thrilled about what you're doing, and I, I got with Ted and. Uh, we went met over an Irish whiskey or two or six, and we got. Uh, who's counting? Days, I got a, uh, who, you know, we stopped counting after they fogged away. But <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, I got to thinking, and I started typing this thing out. And if you if you read it, and it's first, it's the lead story on that blog stuff. Uh, I nailed them. I nailed them, and uh, I threw it up. And I've got this technique. I'll show you one day. Where I put these things up on the on the web in such a way that hey, I blitz the east and west coast. Wilbur, yeah, take a quick break here. I got a real producer. He does breaks. So uh, I hear the music playing. We're going to be right back with Wilbur Witt Jr. Do not go away, guys, on the Doc Green Show. All right. All right. The amazing Doc Green Show is on the air.
maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beatty did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beatty set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-D-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. I'm Gary Wilcox with Pet Floors of Houston. We specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurants. The adhesive that we use is waterproof. The product is waterproof, and so therefore, you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and gear it back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down. And it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and need to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We found Gary with Pep Floors, and he came out and measured. The measurement process went very easily, and when it came installation time, they came out here, did a fine job. The installers were great. Service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. There's no special care. It's really nice. Actually, have a mobile showroom so I can come out to your home or office at a time that's convenient for you and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this it's not like I've done this one or two times but I've done it many many times so give me a phone call and I'm happy to come out there I do estimates for you right there on the spot and it's all free of charge that that floor of Houston Deadfloor.com. The doctor is in. The Doc Green Show live from Houston every day. Hashtag Amazing Doc Green Show. If you want to get in the chat, what you got to do is type in hashtag Amazing Doc Green Show and go over to my uh, YouTube channel there. And that's where we have the chat. We got uh, Phil Wade in there and Jeffrey Connor. And uh, they, uh, they both say hi to you, Wilbur. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Phil. <clears throat> anyway. So, uh, yesterday, you know, I read the tip of the spear, and uh, you'd actually written that sometime back, but it was still a good article. A lot of your stuff is, well, somewhat timeless. Well, what happens, uh, what I'm doing now, I'm still writing more than two articles a day. You know that. But yes. uh, I'll get up in the morning. Prolific and this he thing is. Has this, this thing has a memory thing on it. And I'll go look at the memories, and I'll 
bounced across some of those, and I think, wow, hey, that still holds today. And I'll throw it back out there because there's so many people that have never read me and never seen what I write, and this stuff is all brand new to them. So I'll throw that out. Um, I'll try. But sometimes I change one or two words here and there, like when Trump suddenly became prominent in the news when I wrote uh, Little Red Riding uh, Republican. I kind of changed the end of that a little bit to accommodate what was going on, but it's basically still the same thing. That was one of the better articles. Tip of the Spear was great. I don't know where uh, I get up. Sometimes, Doc, I get up, and this stuff just jumbles around in my head and just pops out. Just, I'm just, uh, I didn't know anything about Yeah, policy, well, I so can tell you right good. fast, because when it does come out, I mean, it just comes out, but it's always good stuff. Yeah. Uh, it was really funny on Saturday. I didn't get with uh, uh, just that. I didn't know I was supposed to or anything. I, I thought, well, I might speak up here or whatever. And I had a little something about a three or four minute thing. But uh, uh, me and uh, Summer, uh, she, she's over here helping me with the house. Uh, Friday night, the night before, we went into the, the uh, Labor Day weekend mode, okay? And uh, I'm sitting there by your wife and that son, and I was oozing scotch from every pore. <laughs> <laughs> it was all coming out. Oh yeah, and I'm sitting there thinking, please God, don't let me call my name, please, please Lord, please, please, please. <laughs> but I was holding, and I was holding the iPad. I had it already. It was actually a pretty good little bit. But I was, oh man, I'll be better next time. So I took that pistol with oh, pistol. Oh, I took that picture with crystal. I took one look at that yeah. thing the next day, and I was, I went straight to Photoshop. Fix that. <laughs> oh yeah. man, I looked like Hemingway after a bad night. <laughs> but anyway, back on this thing, I want to tell you one funny. Uh, it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. I went on Google, and if you don't say anything about the Internet, you know, it's not easy to get placed on Google with any prominence whatsoever. And Indeed. so I, I went up there, and I, I, I Googled Celine Independent School District, and the first thing that came up was, yeah, you know, their website, we're in the most wonderful place in the world, looking at happy kids, blah, blah, blah. Number two right under it was my article coming through you. <laughs> hey, I, I love that. I don't know if they loved it, but I, I love it. <laughs> and I went to laughing. And so I said, what's so funny? I said, these GIs and their wives coming in here, they're just in the first week of school. And, uh, you know, they Google up uh, the school district, see what's going on, or where am I at, and everything. Oh, look, honey, here's the school district. Oh, there's a nice article under it. Oh, my God, Jesus Christ. Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> And I always tell you, I've still, still got to pick up Puck's uh, insulin sometime this week. And I know I know I'm going to be met by all those angry school moms, and I, I always have two answers for them. Number one, just playing by the rules you set. <laughs> now you're tasting my mutton. How you like it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I'm going to read that article here in a little bit, Wilbur, because uh, it's a worthy article, and it, it deserves uh, widespread attention. I will, I'll tell you what, I will, uh, one thing, uh, as you know, I, I told Diane, or Diane, where'd she come from, the next wife? But, oh, anyway, Joanne, I said, uh, we were talking religion for a minute, I said, Joanne, I'm an anti-theist. Oh, she goes, uh, I'm not an atheist, I'm an anti-theist. I love Jesus, <laughs> and I don't like preachers. <laughs> I said, I truly believe, Ted and I are devout believers in Jesus Christ. We don't make no bones about it. We don't hedge or nothing. He was a man, and that's the end of it. You know, intense a psychologist. He's a doctor, and he still believes in Jesus. <laughs> well, you know, I, look, I, I think if you've got an intellect, you have to believe in Jesus because, for one thing, 
if you look at any kind of world history, it's obvious that Jesus Christ existed, that he walked on this earth, that he did great things. And here's a guy that had virtually no resources and yet changed the entire world. So how do you not believe in a guy like that? But I, I digress. Carry on. I interrupted you. No, no, that's okay. I love it. He never run a grocery list. He had no promo men. He had no sound systems. Uh, no bus. Uh, no nothing. None of that no, stuff that we depend on. The biggest gig he ever did was sitting on the Mount of Olives and mumbling uh, 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 the Beatitudes. And we're still reading. I'll tell you something interesting, Doc. I'll get into theology for a second. I don't ever, now don't tell anybody this, okay? Don't, I always tell everybody I'm a simple little boy from Austin. I just barely got a high school education. Actually, me and my wife went to Liberty University, and we were educated in theology and psychology. So I don't want anybody to know that. <laughs> I, I did not know that. I've known you for a while. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, Jesus picked his disciples for specific reasons. Um, and we all know Peter and all that. Matthew, everybody was, why would he, well, he was trying to show he was fair and Matthew was a tax collector. No, that wasn't part of it. Back in those days, Matthew was a tax collector for the Romans. He collected income tax. He sat by a thing called the Post, right next to the Sea of Galilee, you know, right there. And as the fishermen came up with their catch, not only did he know them by face, you know, Peter, I see you, I see you, you know, he also wrote in Greek and Aramaic short, uh, kind of a shorthand. You know, Peter right. has 12 fish. Uh, uh, Nathaniel has 32 fish. That, so Jesus picked the one person who could sit at the base of the Mount of Olives and basically take down practically every word he said. Okay? And this was proved by a little postage stamp-sized papyri that was found in Egypt. I don't remember the town with Audia or whatever. And on that was a part of the Sermon of the Mount. On that. And it... it apparently is an original manuscript. I mean, not more than 10 years from the event, that kind wow. of thing. Yeah. So we know, we know that Jesus Christ, A, really existed. He really went to the, the Mount of Olives, and he really gave that speech because Matthew wrote it down, and that's in the book of Matthew, chapter 5. He wrote down exactly what he heard. Now, you, when you take into the Bible, when the atheists get in there, or the detractors, and they try to find out things, and it doesn't seem to work, but they use their logic. You always find out things like this. It's like the, the blinding of the Apostle Paul. Uh, uh, you always keep well, he had an epileptic seizure. He had this no, no, no. I have a blind eye. I had encephalitis and polio when I was three years old. It left me blind in my right eye. Right. Um, Paul was blinded on the Damascus Road. He saw Jesus Christ in his glory, and he knocked his eyes out. He went That's to straight true. street, and he... he he was cured. Remember, he fell like scales from his eyes. But he was never totally cured. It was left where, and he even says it in his epistles, see how large my letters are. Dr. Luke helps me write. See, it's my it's signature. True. See how large I'm at. Yep. And also, if the, if the people of Ephesus could have, they would have given me their own eyes. So we know he still had an eye problem, and the reason was, when he knelt before Nero to get decapitated, and Nero gave him the choice, deny Jesus Christ, and I'll let you live. Well, Paul could still see those spots. There was no denial. They were really there. Hey, I have to make a note here for my Facebook Live, guys. Yes, I'm trying to find a cable to fix that so you can also hear Wilbur Witt talking. And I didn't realize I didn't have my, my phone plugged in so you could hear Wilbur. So anyway, carry on, carry on, Wilbur, while I try to find a cord okay. here to solve that problem. 
Anyway, you're going to read the article, so I won't go into depth on that, but I will say a little bit about how I write. Um, basically, I, I scan the news. I listen to you. I talk to a lot of people. I, uh, I will scattershot in that I will address, um, I'll address a certain issue, and I'll address it my way. I was going to address Bill Cosby, but I've got political reasons I'm not going to do that, which I'll tell you later. <laughs> but, uh, um, I'll address these things, and then I'll reread it, and I'll try, I try to make them a little humorous. Um, about everything well, yeah, everything you write is, is always humorous. That's why I like it. I mean, you've got a way of making a point and, uh, you know, and, and, and having it where it's uh, uh, interesting to everybody. And, and while it occasionally may be offensive, uh, well, you know, there's just some things you can't sugarcoat. No. Well, I, when I met with uh, Crystal the first time, uh, that was one of the things we addressed. I came out of Nashville. I, I started in Texas. I came out of Austin. And I wrote serious music, uh, but I could never sell a serious song. But I went to Nashville, <laughs> and I lived on Music Square, in Music Towers. I lived in my studio and slept under my console. And every day I would write a song, go down on Music Row, try to sell it or leave it or whatever, uh, and come back. And I began to meet some notable stars. I mean, you, you can't walk around Music Square. It's like walking around downtown Colleen. It's only about that big. Right. Uh, you meet people. And they kept telling me about uh, Man, your serious stuff don't make it. Now, one day I'll play some of it for you. I thought it was good, but it didn't make it. But the humorous <laughs> stuff I made, the humorous stuff, uh, everybody had a copy of my album on the bus. Everybody, especially that one song will remain unmentionable, which by the way was re-recorded this Sunday in Dallas by a rock group. Uh, but uh, I started would, would that have been FU Texas? That would be the one. Yeah, I uh, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. Oh, all right, tell you what, let me digress a minute. I'm going to tell you how that got wrote. I want everybody to know. I was recording. I, re- I recorded a song that was equally horrible, but it, uh, it sold a lot of copy. And uh, I was up in Nashville uh, doing another album. And at the same time, the alcohol control board, liquor control board, uh, arrested or, or the first the sheriff arrested two live crew in Dallas for singing me so horny. And then oh, no. I was laughing about it. Yeah, yeah, I was laughing about it. And my producer, Gene Strasser, who worked, we worked with uh, um, Charlie Pride, uh, Gino told me, he said, don't laugh. They arrested your record, man. I said, what? Said, yeah, the liquor control board licensed all the music and jukeboxes. They jerked you off the jukebox. And we went to uh, uh, Nashville Palace that night for dinner. And so I said, hey, well, when you go down there and straighten them Texas out, Oh, I said, what? I ain't going back down there and mess with them. <laughs> they don't mess around down there. I said, F you, Texas. Uh, you know, that. And, the next and now, day, now here you are in Texas. Right. I wrote the song. <laughs> wrote the dang song. And uh, John Brent, Jackie's dad, he said, I want you to record that, too. I said, oh, John, man, don't ever release that, man. Oh, thank God, don't release that. Oh, I give you my word, man. I just want to have it on tape, deal. I just want to have lead song on the next album. It will also put ghosts off the air in Austin. Uh, the uh, the ghost show, call-in uh, show, right. got oh, 250,000 uh, clicks because uh, they got to where people from around the country, they would call in for his 10-second hello, and all they would do is play the lead line of that song. And he shut them down. Lead line, shut them down. Lead line, shut them down. <laughs> I, but the story behind the song was, if you listen closely to the words, it's a songwriter that gets popped. And he's just trying to get the heck out of Dodge. That's what I was really doing. <laughs> and I really honestly, 
Texans are beautiful people. I get more and more uh, applause from Texans. Oh, this is good humor. Thank you. That's good humor. You know, uh, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. But apparently, that doggone song is gone somewhere. It's it's hard. Um, I asked um, Tommy uh, Saturday. I said, "Man, how many books have you sold? <laughs> I can't make a dime off these stupid books." It's uh, it's hard. I see. It's kind of like the music business. I said, "Oh yeah, that's bad too." <laughs> Well, look, the economy's bad out there. There's no getting around it. I mean, both you and Tommy ought to be millionaires now with the stuff you guys have written. Oh. And uh, But due to the economy, you, of course, are not. Look, we got uh, – Joe left us uh, set up. I hate, I hate to be a hypocrite. So I was, um, when Joe died, uh, I had to take care of him the last couple of years, which was weird. The, the listeners don't know this, but Joe was my husband-in-law. He married my ex-wife. Yeah, and he came down with Agent Orange. Uh, the sad part is, is Doc, Vietnam vet. He wa- he wanted so bad to meet you and see a rally, and from his wheelchair if he had to, and he wanted so bad to come see one of our rallies that he just couldn't make it. He read, he listened to you every single day on the porch, every single day. He loved it, but he he, he left us on his deathbed, and this is Nicole. That she forbidden to use her last name. She works for the CPS. She came out to an interview with me, and I told her about him. And I said, he wants to adopt the grandchildren. He can leave all of his benefits to them and set their life up. And she said, well, what's going to stop it? Nicole, he's not going to live. He'll never make it to the courthouse. She set up a court hearing with FaceTime, and Joe literally adopted Uh his children on his death. I mean, just... uh, I, I. I say a lot of bad things about the CPS, but I love Nicole. <laughs> she I got to ask her. a question. Uh, did I get my Facebook feed sounding better now, guys? I, I see uh, I've got Amy Headkey in there and Eric Cox and Carolyn Lightfoot. Uh, so, uh, among others, in the uh, live feed on Facebook. So, I'm trying to feed all of these shows, Wilbur, while I'm talking to you. All right. I, well, that's why I called in. I knew you were setting things up. Have you noticed I'm a little more articulate? You know what I don't get articulate? Love my grandchildren. I mean, I got the prettiest grandchildren in the world, but there's a gang of five. Oh, I'm sorry, the gang of four with one cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> and and Puck, she called me. Puck called me from uh, from uh, the Painted Desert on the way up there. She called me on her half phone. I said, "Are you okay, baby? Everything? Yeah, Mama's driving good. Everything's doing good." And she's got that accent, you know. Because uh, I said, "Well, honey, you know what's going on? Yeah, I had to run my blood out of Texas again." I mean, huh. yeah, to run the butt out of Texas. <laughs> Nine years old, she gets her butt run out of Texas again. <laughs> Man. Well, I'm going to have to figure out this iPhone situation because they're telling me they still can't hear you on there. They can only hear me. That's on the Facebook side. So, uh, anyway, uh, Wilbur, I'm going to cut this off. I want to read. I'm going to read your article when I get done uh, with you here. And uh, right. everybody's going to get to know Wilbur a little bit better, but... I want to tell you, man, Wilbur is the man, and uh, you can catch him. Um, Amy is plugged in over there as well. Wilbur at WordPress. And what's the best way to get a hold of you one more time, Wilbur? Uh, that uh, blogspot or blogger.com, simple, old, O-L apostrophe, boy from Austin. Simple old boy from Austin. So check it out. Yep. Some of the people on Facebook were admiring my revolver that I have hanging on the wall, so I just pulled it out so I could hold it up. You guys can really look at that bad boy. 
That is a oh, an good. Army Colt replica black powder pistol. It's a beauty, and, uh, and I'm proud of it. I actually won that in a raffle at uh, at an open carry Texas rally. And hey, it's, it's well, Doc, thank you so much for having me on. I hope I helped out with setting you up a little bit. Well, you certainly did, Wilbur Witt. We love you here, and thank you for coming up Saturday. You you did come up Saturday, and uh, and you were there for the whole time, pretty much. And I thank you. There you go. Okay, I'm going to get you tuned in on the other side of the radio so I can hear you uh, talk some more. All right, good deal. Thanks for calling in, Wilbur Witt. And uh, I'm going to play a little bit of music here while we're talking because uh, a lot of you guys tune in just to hear my music. So. niacin for you. That's right, vitamin B3. James Madison wants to know how much I want to sell this pistol for. James, I don't think I want to sell it, buddy. I want to know if anybody can make the link between niacin being the name of this band.
Yeah, did anybody catch the name? I mean, uh, that is a band called Niacin, and I want to see if anybody knows why they are called Niacin. Because it's kind of an interesting reason. So anyway, uh, yeah, I enjoy good music. I enjoy playing good music. Those of you that made it to Austin, you got to hear my band last uh, Saturday, the Green Brothers Band, and we like to play good music. So uh, anyway, that's... uh, that's a little bit of our stuff there. Now, I'm going to quickly get into this before we get out of here as we're reaching the top of the hour. And it's break time. So we're going to hit this break, and I'll read it when we get back on the Doc Green Show, Raising Elephants Radio and American Voice Radio. The amazing Doc Green Show is on the air. Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beattie did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beattie set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-D-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. Here's an important message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. The doctor is in. So anyway, we uh, we get out of that, and we go back. Uh, we may have a phone call coming in here. We're having some issues trying to figure out all of this new technology as we're now reaching out all over the United States. Once again, I want to thank all my new listeners out there in Kerrville. And uh, James Madison's trying to call in, but I'm not quite sure what's happening with that. We'll see. Uh, once again, the call-in number is 800-932-1980, 800 932 
1980. And of course, we'd be glad to have you on the show today. And a nice Mamie Headkey to drop by. She is an activist of the first magnitude. Boy, you ought to see that girl in boots. And her boots are definitely made for walking. So it looks like Cynthia Prim has also checked in. And uh, Cynthia was up there uh, Saturday in Austin, I think, too, as well. So anyway, I wanted to read this article written by Wilbur Witt, the guy who was just on the phone with me. If you really want to catch the show and you want the best possible audio, guys, the best thing to do is go to YouTube, type in hashtag AmazingDocGreenShow, and that'll pull it up. And just sign in there with your Gmail account. Create one if you don't have one. And then you can listen live and you can chat with me in the chat room as well because in that chat room i got uh, the Anchorman, Jeffrey Connor. i got uh, Phil Wade in there. And uh, you guys could join those August individuals. So uh, lots of ways you can do it here, and we're doing it live as well on Facebook. And Jeffrey just said he's uploaded the Wichita Falls Rally to his YouTube channel. So uh, you can always find that there, too. And uh, we're going to try to get all of this stuff up. Fred, just join me again. And uh, good to see you, Fred. So uh, back to Wilbur Witt's article here. The Colleen Independent School District is a predatory, profit-based entity that is a danger to children and needs to be reviewed by the state of Texas. Oh, my bad. Good Sunday morning and happy 4th to y'all. I was looking for a diplomatic way to write about this, but you see, they weren't very diplomatic with me, so I'm going to return the favor and we'll see how they like my mutton, says Wilbur Witt. My ex-wife has a heart condition, and periodically she has to return to Texas for an update at Austin Heart, and she did so again this summer. Now, without a long, boring recitation about our family history, suffice it to say that we have concluded a five-year saga to secure my five grandchildren, Puck, Just a Bobby, Skinnyhead, Nick the Lawyer, and New Baby. As you know, my ex's deceased husband, Joe, adopted them and bequeathed them all of his military benefits, including a 6,000-square-foot home on the shores of the Great Salt Lake. This process was expedited by a wonderful worker with CPS, Nicole, who brought tear, who was brought to tears when I told her about Joe's plan and the possibility that he wouldn't make it because the clock set by Agent Orange was ticking. And it was looking like old Sarge wasn't going to be able to take this last hill. Well, with her help and an iPhone, Joe did appear in court from his deathbed, and the children are now set for life. My grandchildren had a rough ride early on with Puck, a type 1 diabetic, falling occasionally into comas, and the others all enduring abuse in one form or another, but they're strong and they got attitude. In foster care, they formed the Gang of Five, and they survived. The serenity of Salt Lake, the influence of the Latter-day Saints culture went a long way. They clung to each other as they entered the public school. Enter the Colleen public school system. Remember the day when teachers taught reading, writing, and arithmetic? Well, that's not the uh, Colleen Independent School District. Why, heck no. They're social engineers. They're pathologists. They're advisors to the governor's council. You name it. Now, bear in mind that Colleen is a camp town with a huge military presence. This in and of itself is not a bad thing. The town has everything you'd want in the way of food and entertainment, access to Dallas, Austin, and San Antonio. The problem is a large percentage of the teachers are not from Texas. They know nothing about the Texas culture and will most likely not spend the rest of their lives in Colleen. 
Our issues began at Bel Air Elementary. Soon after our children entered the school, we were deluged with CPS cases. You see, Bobby slipped and fell in the schoolyard. CPS case. Puck cut her bangs a little too short. CPS case. Her blood dipped, blood sugar dipped. CPS case. And the EMS, police, and mandatory meetings concerned with the state of these poor children. Now ask yourself, what could be driving all this? Well, I'll make it simple and just tell you. It seems that several teachers that divided, had divided up the children and called CPS repeatedly, trying to use it as a tool to engineer a foster adoption system. This is not speculation, people. They were bold enough to state this publicly, interjecting that my ex and Joe were just too old and too frail to have children. So we began to do homeschooling. Now we trot over to the Walmart for a big chief tablet. Do they even make those anymore? Heck no. We got off thousands, and I'm not kidding, thousands of dollars of materials and school plans from an accredited Christian entity. Every day was school, weekends reserved for field trips to the Alamo, the Capitol, and any place else in Texas that could be integrated into the process. Joe bought the house in Utah and began to make his journey from Austin to Salt Lake as slowly as he went down. Oh, yeah, my ex had a heart attack, and just for good measure, I had to take a day off. After Joe died, we found ourselves in Texas settling as a state, and we thought, foolishly, that we could enroll the kids in school to give us a little free time while we did this. Well, the attacks began immediately. This time, assisted by a neighbor who was a volunteer at Bel Air ISD. She already had several foster children, complete with a check, of course, because you get a nice little check with every one of those kids. And, of course, would just love to have a little girl to round out that family. This also happens to be the same lady who called SWAT when the twins had a stick fight in the backyard. Yep, another CPS case. Back to homeschooling and back to Utah. You see, Utah people are kind of unique. In a town that the children lived in, the people there were descended from families that pushed wheelbarrows over the Rockies to settle the area that the prophet Brigham Young referred to as the place. You know kids. There was a big difference between a Colleen teacher who couldn't find Colleen on a map a year ago and a big strapping Mormon missionary doing his duty at the church down at the Boys and Girls Club. Entirely different. If a child shows up for school there and they are a little tattered, elderly people volunteer time. They comb their hair. They change their socks. They get a hot breakfast. Not in Bel Air. You got it. Another CPS case. No, I'm not attacking the CPS in this article. They are bound by law to investigate all reports. But they weren't born yesterday, and they weren't born in the dark. And as time went by, they began to understand that the area around that particular school was glowing red with cases. It appeared that the Turtle Bend subdivision had the worst parents in the state. So many reports were filed out of that subdivision that eventually the principal decided to change jobs. But that's none of my business. Here, have a little bit more of my mutton. Meanwhile, back in Utah, we went back to homeschooling, but not for a bad reason. Homeschooling was just easier than ferrying five children to school every day, and it had the support of local school who even had people drop by to assist from time to time. And as time went by, my ex had to return to Texas this summer for her checkup. Before she left, she enrolled the kids in public school in Utah. There were several reasons for this. The kids took a vote and wanted to socialize. New baby wasn't old enough to go, but got to eat breakfast with his brothers and sisters at school and 
That made him feel like he was in school. Bear in mind, he was being homeschooled nonetheless, and he could read, write, and cruise Facebook when he was five. <laughs> uh, you know, the public school system requires your children to be able to read by the third grade. He could read when he was five. Obviously an abused child. So my ex came down for the tune-up. I go back to what Wilbur was saying. The doctors wanted to do a stint in her heart. School started and cleaned during that time with Utah about a week later, and we had a grease fire in our main house and clean and had relocated to another one of our homes there. While recovering from surgery and rebuilding the burned house, we put the kids into Clifton Park. That's a school that serviced that part of Colleen. This school was less than a mile down Jasper Road from Bel Air. We were still homeschooling with the intentions of returning to Salt Lake within a week. The children were actually enrolled there, and there was full communication with Utah, but one day we had problems. Side comments from teachers declaring that they'd love to have Puck because she was so cute. I know Puck. She is very cute and slightly precocious, by the way. I digress. Anyway, obviously my ex couldn't handle five children with her heart problem. What happened to reading, writing, and arithmetic? Well, we were right on schedule. My ex went to withdraw them babies for the trip home one Friday. After the children were gathered, the delays began. Everything from having to find backpacks right up to trying to remove them to separate rooms. My ex finally just took the kids out of the car and out to the car and left. The journey back to Bountiful is just another field trip for the kids. Yep, homeschooling even then. Bear in mind the kids were completely checked out of Colleen ISD at this point. Well, she's on her way home, and you guessed it. Here comes CPS. We had a very short conversation on my lawn, and they left. You can imagine. I know Wilbur. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall. Anyway, now part of what Clifton Park was claiming that the kids were poorly educated and had to be put back one or two years because they'd been homeschooled and that the Utah schools are just not up to our standards here in Texas. They were even going to put new baby back, and it was his first week of public school outside of the complimentary breakfast in Utah. Figure that one out. Interesting note. Upon return home, he was found to be talented and gifted, as is Puck. Also, Nick the lawyer, one of the twins, has been nicknamed that for a reason. The clean school declared that the twins could not read. But that didn't stop them from having them sign the school rules, which several things stated. First and foremost, the twins could sign their names, implying perhaps they could read something. This means they could read, or the school lied. Or they couldn't read, and the principal forged the document, which means she lied. Hmm. Presently, the children are in school. They're also being homeschooled at the same time. Guess that makes up for the substandard Utah schools, huh? Substandard my foot. In a state where five-year-olds can read the Bible, teacher, please, my question to the parents of Colleen, let's just say I'm only half right in all I've said here. Do you really want to trust your precious children to the Colleen Independent School District? When you see your child go through those doors, do you really know what's going on on the other side with the teachers and staff grooming your child for foster adoption rather than concerning themselves with actual education? Do you really know the teachers? I mean, really know them. My involvement with this issue is centered on two schools less than a mile apart and a staff that flows for readily between them. It may trickle out to other schools. But I've not had direct interaction with them. 
and I'm not speculating. These are things that I've seen and have been advised by people inside the system. My solution? Get involved. Go to the PTA. Question your teachers. Challenge the staff. And if I stay in the area, I intend to become involved and bring the full weight of my connections, both state and national, to bear on this issue and these people. And let me tell you something, guys. Wilbur does have some connections. Hey, they came to me. I was just playing by the rules they set. This weekend, I attended a rally in Austin with surprised to find a number of well-placed people who were very involved in this problem. I learned about Common Core. That's right. I'm going to play you the speech uh, maybe today from Stephanie August, uh, Warrior Woman. Oh, she was awesome. The financial incentives that are behind the star test. I learned about the addiction of public schools to federal money, which, by the way, was not a small part of the saga above. One teacher returned from a meeting while my ex was in the office and said, well, there weren't enough special ed kids, and we had to come up with a few more. Wouldn't you know there were five federal grants sitting right there in the office? Time to call in CPS. Be apathetic about the election if you want to. Be apathetic about secession. But for God's sakes, don't be apathetic about your children's safety and welfare. They're out there, folks. They're open for business. Your business. Your kids. Your life. Wilbur Witt, guys, a fabulous author, saying things that nobody else can say because, well, nobody else knows, like Wilbur. And so uh, I, I love it. I love it when Wilbur brings this stuff out. I love how he puts it all together. And I also happen to love Niacin, by the way. Niacin uh, always gets me excited. And we're going to have some more Niacin here in a few more minutes. We're going to try to figure out if we can solve the uh, phone call issue and uh, what's going on with uh Facebook and YouTube. Susan Dantzler has joined. Susan Dantzler, a genuine Texas patriot. And Jim Black has joined us on Facebook as well. Susan Dantzler just said more money. Yeah, more money is unfortunately what it's about, Susan. So anyway, we're going to play this song for you, and then I'm going to be right back with a lot of more. Got a lot of more for you. One of my favorite bands in the world, Niacin. Good stuff. Hope you got a good sound system so you can hear this.
Thanks, Madison. We'll get together and have that steak. has joined us on Facebook. Billy Sheehan on bass. Dennis Chambers on drums. John Novello on organ. Niacin. Nobody's come up with the reason for the name of the band yet. I might have to give away a copy of uh, Tommy's book, We Defy, if you can figure out... the name of this band. by Niacin. Just how to jam some of that. Nobody's gotten it yet. Uh, so, yeah, that's an open contest. Let me see if anybody got it on. Uh... Oh, yeah, Brenda Webb Vaughn has finally joined us on YouTube as well. Hello, Brenda. Good to see you. Brenda Brenda's one of my favorite people. She's a real cute blonde from up north in Texas, and I got to go speak to her freedomtexas.org group. Last week, a fabulously good time. We we uh, we really enjoyed that, and I want to thank Brenda for inviting me to do it. And we talked Texas independence. That's what we did. Now here is an interesting story. The Democrats may be counting on Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump to boost their ability to win down ballot races this November. Now, I want you to know this is written by the extremely liberal Alex Samuels. Alex Samuels is a liberal's liberal, and he writes for the Texas Tribune. 
So Alex writes that they're counting on Donald Trump to boost their ability to win down-ballot races this November. As the Austin American statesman noted, some Texans are taking their disdain of Trump to the polls. Instead of just voting against Trump in general, they plan to vote Democrat up and down the ballot. While a few frustrated voters may not affect the billionaire's chances of winning, typically red Texas, some local reps, including Representative J.M. Lozano, Republican of Kingsville, are worried that the Trump effect may ruin their chances for re-election. Lozano told the statesman that both candidates have shown a lot of problems when you compare it to past presidential elections. I can't believe some of the stuff I see on TV now from both candidates. Tarrant County Democrat Party Chairwoman Deborah Peoples told the Fort Worth Star-Telegram that Republican leaders have to be worried about Trump will do to their ticket. However, now, i got to digress here for a minute, guys. Don't you don't you know you can trust the Democrats when they're giving us Republicans, you know, when they're giving us advice on what we need to do to make sure our candidates get elected? You can absolutely trust the Democrats to give us good information, can't you? So if the Democrats are worried about what Trump's going to do to the Republican ticket, that sort of tells me that maybe Donald Trump is the guy. Anyway. Tim O'Hare, head of the Tarrant County Republican Party, said people's predictions are simply wishful thinking, adding that for every person who comes out and says they won't vote for Trump, someone else will come out and vote for him. That's absolutely true. And I don't know if you saw the video of Donald Trump in that black church. Uh, The Apostle Claver was talking about that on Raging Elephants Radio yesterday. Uh, And what he said was simply this. The... The very fact that he is not only in this black church, but they appear to like him in this black church, and the bishop of that church gave him a prayer shawl. And, of course, I reported it on my show yesterday. At that point, Reuters was instructed to rip the cables off the camera and to cut the feed immediately because they couldn't allow that to get out. The very idea that Donald Trump was in a black church and was being honored by a black congregation with a prayer shawl and a Bible, that is huge, folks. I have preached in black churches. This is a rare honor, not accorded to many. So Donald Trump is doing a great job. (laughs) Alan Eccles said, if Donald Trump had a brick for every Clinton lie, he could build two walls. Indeed, he could. So, the whole, well, I'm going to finish this article, and then I'll make my comments on it. But uh, Labor Day is the unofficial yet traditional start day of the fall campaigns. That's when a lot of the people that normally don't pay any attention to anything are going to start paying a little bit of attention to the presidential election. Uh, The first presidential debate just three weeks away. It's going to be a total waste of time, but a lot of people will watch it because Donald Trump is on. On the other hand, it's being moderated, like most of them, by liberals. And I keep wondering why we as Republicans put up with this garbage. Why do we let this happen? It makes no sense to me. Anyway, I want to welcome, uh, hey, Andy Valadez and Andrew Bennett have both joined me on the uh, chat room here. Good to see you guys. My whole point is simply this. Donald Trump, if there's a free and fair election, Donald Trump is going to sweep that election. He absolutely will sweep it if there's a free and fair election. Now, will there be a free and fair election? Well, I don't know. I can't answer that question. I guess I would 
be tempted to say probably not. We've already covered here um, the fact that we've got voter fraud in Texas led by the Republicans. Exhibit A, Lord Byron Cook up in Corsicana, wins the election against a very popular conservative Tea Party candidate, Mr. McNutt. He wins the election by 223 votes, therefore meeting the 222 minimum requirement of victory, which would kick in an automatic recount. So he wins by that. The fact that McNutt was winning all night until right before the polls closed, and then there's a two-hour delay, and then all of a sudden, Lord Byron Cook wins. The fact that there was an overvote of 1,777 votes, that alone should have immediately disqualified Lord Byron Cook. In fact, Lord Byron Cook, if he was a real man, if he was a real Texan, the first thing that would have happened when he realized that there had been voter fraud, and by the way, 1,777 votes, that's no accident, and it's not a small thing. But if you've been listening to my other associate, the Apostle Claver on Raging Elephants Radio, they have brought up some plausible scenarios as to how that overvote happened and why it allowed Byron Cook to win the election. Nonetheless, we also have good information coming in from Dr. Laura Presley that they're now trying to change the voting machines in all of the counties in Texas because they've realized the current voting machines we have may not meet Texas law. They may be illegal voting machines. So instead of going back to paper ballots, that is where we just print them on a printer, on a laser printer, and let people just take a little magic marker and block out who they want to vote for on there, and then read it with an optical character reader, very inexpensive, very high-quality, very predictable technology. Why, instead of doing that so that there will always be a permanent paper trail, oh, no, we're going to a new voting machine that's so complicated it can't possibly be handled by county election officials. Therefore, it's got to be administered by the Department of Homeland and Security. So I'm sure this is going to make you all feel good. But going back to what I was saying earlier, if there is, by some chance, a free and honest election, Donald Trump's going to win this thing by 10 points or more. Make no mistake about it. And in Texas, the down-ballot races are safe. It's going to be a Republican sweep. If there's a free and fair election. Now, is there going to be a free and fair election? Well, now that I can't really answer for you. I have my concerns. In any case, I'm going to be right back after this break. i got a lot more for you on the Doc Green Show. I want to thank Frank. Producer Frank. The amazing Doc Green Show is on the air. TV and radio are great media. 
mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. Hello, I'm Gary Wilcox with Pet Floors of Houston. We specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurant. The adhesive that we use is waterproof. The product is waterproof, and so therefore, you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and gear it back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down. And it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and need to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We found Gary with Pep Floors, and he came out and measured. The measurement process went very easily, and when it came installation time, they came out here, did a fine job. The installers were great. The service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. There's no special care. It's really nice. Actually, have a mobile showroom so I can come out to your home or office at a time that's convenient for you and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this it's not like I've done this one or two times but I've done it many many times so give me a phone call and I'm happy to come out there I do estimates for you right there on the spot and it's all free of charge that pet floor of Houston petfloors.com The doctor is in. But the doctor is in, Doc Green, Raging Elephants Radio and American Voice Radio. want to thank uh, Frank for turning all the knobs and doing all the cool stuff that he does over there to make all this work for me. Uh, it's pretty cool to have a producer again on the radio show and not have to do all this stuff by myself. So I kind of like it. And that allowed me to go out on break and get my copy of the damn good times right here in the selfdefensefund.com studio. I have a copy of the damn good times. Crystal Lee Larimore, uh, you guys uh, got to hear her on my Monday show. Crystal Lee Larimore is the editor of that paper. She's absolutely fabulous. In fact, I may just read her article in here because it's pretty good. But uh, you can get the damn good times. All you got to do is go to info at the damngoodtimes.com and you can order it. And it doesn't matter where you are in the United States or indeed in the world, they will give you home delivery. They'll bring it to you. And uh, then you can have it for your very own. Here we are. Yeah, here's Crystal's article. Do the rustling here. You can hear me rustling the papers. 
That's it. That's what it looks like on the damn good times. For all my Facebook listeners, for all my YouTube listeners, by the way, the best possible quality and sound is go to YouTube, sign in with your Gmail account, type in hashtag AmazingDocGreen, and you can do it. And like, hey, my buddy Dutch uh, has joined in as well. So um, we got uh, checking the chat room again. I got Brenda in there. I got uh, Phil Wade in there. We got Jeffrey the Anchorman Connor in there. It's uh, it's a good group in there. And then over on Facebook, uh, we have uh, Andrew Bennett, Jeffrey Connor, and. Uh, and, of course, Alan Eccles has stepped out for a minute. But, anyway, if you guys got any questions, uh, be sure to drop them in there. You can always uh, tell me what you think. We're going to try to solve the Facebook thing. We're going to try to improve the sound on that so that you can hear when I get a phone call, like earlier when I had Wilbur Witt. Crystal Lee Larimore says, hey, Governor Abbott, I got a question for you. While United States citizens are being killed in cold blood by the federal militia, while ranchers, including Texas ranchers, are losing their land so the feds can own our mineral and water rights, Greg Abbott is traveling all over this great country of Texas, shaking his pom-poms for CONCON. That would be the Constitutional Convention or the Convention of the States or the Article 5 Convention. Why are you wasting taxpayer dollars filing frivolous lawsuits? What is your real agenda, Governor Abbott? Is it really to fight the feds and Obama's liberal agenda, or is it to market yourself? Are you trying to raise awareness or raise money from your book sales? Do you ever wonder if Governor Abbott is rousing the people just to rouse the people, or does he really want to stop the feds? Well, Crystal, let me answer that question for you if you're listening today. I don't wonder about it at all. I happen to know that Governor Greg Abbott is a figurehead he was placed there by the powers that be, the plutocrats of Texas, to more or less monitor Mount Olympus in Austin, the Pink Palace, and to make sure that all the money gets into the right hands. So, Crystal, I know you really know the answer to that question. You just asked it in a rhetorical fashion, but I'm giving you a real answer, Crystal. So anyway, well, and then she said right here, I firmly believe this con-con it's just a marketing ploy. It is a, look at me, I'm Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, all the while pretending he is fighting for Texas. Well, Governor Abbott, if you were really fighting for Texas, wouldn't you just tell the feds to stand down? Wouldn't you be saving the ranchers' land in Texas? Why not fight for them? If you were really fighting for Texas, that is what you would do. The problem, Governor, is that you are hungry for power. You have forgotten your principles. Your moral compass is broken, and you're playing the Texas people for fools. Well, the sad part about that, Crystal Lee Larimore, is the fact that a lot of the Texas voting public, well, they kind of deserve the the uh, moniker fools, because, see, they're not paying attention. They have fallen into the trap of the communist agenda, where they pay more attention to sports, sporting events, sex, porn, than they do to what the governor is doing, because, after all, well, that's just too hard for most of us out here. So, anyway, Crystal goes on. If you were truly fighting for us, we would not be in debt. We would not have transgender bathrooms. We would not have to abide by the lawlessness of the federal government and be forced into medical coverage that, was, that is not only unfathomable, but subpar quality. 
Well, that's right, because everybody I know that's got uh, Obamacare has knows a couple of things about it. First of all, the price of the insurance itself has doubled. The price of the deductible has tripled. And what is covered is huge. I mean, it's uh, or what is not covered is huge. Practically everything is not covered, if you want to know the truth of it. So anyway, Crystal goes on. Just say no, Governor Abbott. That's how you can fight for us. We don't need you to file another frivolous lawsuit or take up the charge for con-con. We don't need no new manifesto. What we do need is for you to fight for us. We do want you to fight for us. We don't need lawsuits. We need you to say no. We do need you to use your spine of steel so you often tell us about, and tell the feds to stay the hell out of Texas and get out of Texas business. And we need a sign at our border that says, feds not welcome around these parts, instead of one that says, me casa es su casa. We need you to tell the feds to stay out of our personal lives, out of our schools, leave prayer in the schools, leave the pedophiles out, leave our Bibles, our guns, our ammo, and our flag alone. Basically, Governor, you need to tell the feds to go to hell. That's how you can fight for us, Governor. Hashtag Texit. Hashtag T anyone. All right, we're going to take a phone call. Looks like uh, my buddy Doc Krupa is on the uh, newsmaker line. So, uh, Doc Krupa, are you there? I'm here, my friend. Welcome to the neighborhood. We're really glad to have you, you here on the show today. Yes, I can. I had to make an adjustment here. I'm, I'm running some extra stuff for the guys on Facebook, and and the Facebook guy's not going to be able to hear your side of the call, Doc Krupa. So I'll have to uh, annotate that. But uh, Doc Krupa, you have a uh, a program on this station. In fact, I was listening to it when I came on the air. Uh, yes, sir. I'm I'm on uh, Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. Central live and then uh frank plays it uh throughout the week at different hours so great network uh i should be working but i heard you on there and i wanted to welcome you to the neighborhood and uh tell you good luck i think you're going to really like it here this is a great network well i appreciate that now doc krupa is a politically active uh, very awake individual who has done a lot of good things and he's been out there working for your freedom even when you weren't and so that's just one of the many reasons why I appreciate Doc Krupa. But the other reason I appreciate Doc Krupa, and for those of you that happen to be in the northwest Houston area, he is an actual doctor. He's a fine chiropractor and nutritionist. And uh, I strongly recommend that you seek him out. And you can always contact me directly if you want to know how to do that. Hope you don't mind the free, well, free <laughs> there, Doc Krupa. But no, thank you very much, my friend. Uh, I, like I said, I just, I just wanted to welcome you. I did hear you talking about Trump, and uh, I think if it's a fair election, he wins, but I'm pretty sure it's not fair. And uh, unfortunately, it's going to end very sad, I have a feeling, but uh, I, I'm like you. If it's a fair election, the man's in. Mark Twain once said, if voting mattered, they wouldn't let us do it. <laughs> oh, you're breaking my heart, Doc Krupa. I, I, uh, look, I'm going to encourage everyone. The fix may be in, but I'm going to encourage everyone listening to the sound of my voice today, go out and vote. Now, we're not Democrats. We're not going to vote twice. We're not going to register in multiple uh, districts, but 
I want everyone to go out and vote, wherever you are. I'm calling on you to go out and vote this election. You need to find your polling place. You need to be there. Because I want it to be so overwhelming that everybody you talk to said, man, I went out and voted for Donald Trump. How did we get Hillary? And we start putting two to two together. Uh, the point is, we have to know. We have to know for a fact. We can no longer wait and wonder if the elections are rigged. We can no longer wait and wonder if the people are being listened to. I think this election will answer all of those questions. And if we find out that the elections are rigged, as Donald Trump has said, if we find that out, uh, and, and by the way, you know, you hear people talking about buying the election, how the rich buy the election. How much more money has Hillary spent than Donald Trump? Do you happen to know, Doc Krupa, at least in percentages? It's about 100 to 1 difference. But, you know, you said a key thing, Doc, and I tell this to everybody. The difference this time is it's rigged, it's fixed, and he doesn't have a chance. But if that happens, he has the money and the connections and the notoriety to maybe bring it all to light and see that it never happens that way again. Indeed. So that's a possibility. But I always ask the question, and I'm going to ask the question now for all the listeners and viewers out there today. And once again, I want to welcome all of the folks that I know are listening in Kerrville on FM radio. Here's the question. When you realize that you were ruled by a lawless band of thugs, what is your recourse? Because that's something you've got to answer for yourself. What do you do when you realize you're ruled by a lawless man of thugs? Another question I'd like to ask is, when you realize that a wrong has been committed, how long should you wait to right that wrong? And I ask that of Lord Byron Cook. And I ask all of you up there in Lord Byron Cook's district to call him up and ask him that question, knowing that the election was rigged up there, 1,777 votes, more than there are voters in the county, Byron Cook should do the right thing. He should step down and call for a new election immediately. But it's not going to happen. So, Doc Krupa, I mean, what are your thoughts on that since I got you on the line? Well, I think it's we're at a time where I used to say being involved in this at all was a waste because it was so corrupted. But I've changed my thinking along the way, and now I think that we need more and more good people to get in office, to stand up, and bring it up like you're doing right now. You can't have more votes than there are people, but it happens all the time. And more and more people are hearing this, and more and more people getting involved, and and pretty soon we'll have good people flooding in and the bad will be forced out and I think it can change but we're going to have to change it from the inside otherwise you just end up with a lot of people standing up and they get their lives ruined and thrown in jail and lose everything they have trying to make it better even when they're doing something good this way we use their system and we make it work the right way that it was intended well, it sounds like the voice of experience, Doc Krupa, and I happen to know that you have sacrificed greatly for liberty here in Texas, uh, way more than what most people would ever even consider. And my hat's off to you. I mean, when I think of great Texans, Doc Krupa is one of those people 
that, that comes up at the top of my mind. And uh, for the people on Facebook, yes, unfortunately, I've not figured out how to patch the phone calls into my Facebook thing. I think I'm going to have to custom make a cable to do that since I'm broadcasting live on Facebook via iPhone. But I am going to, I'm going to conquer that battle. So uh, I will get all you Facebook Live guys in there. But the best thing to do is simply go to the YouTube channel. That is uh, hashtag Amazing Doc Green Show on YouTube. Uh, Green's got an E on the end of it, just like uh, the great General Nathaniel Green. And that way you can not only hear me well, you can see me well. And I'm told that the sound quality on YouTube is amazingly good. So, uh, Doc Cooper, speaking of which, after we get off the air, I need I need to make an appointment with you. It's been a while. I need to get in and see you again and uh, and uh, make sure my health's up far. Well, just, just bring some gold bars. I'm easy. All right, yeah, he works for gold, and uh, it's, it's that simple. I want to point out something. Doc Krupp is always glad to help you, but I heard it on a show before I went live today. He said, look, you know, if you call me for help, I don't mind helping you, but you got to stay in touch with me. I want to know what happens. I don't sleep good at night if you call me for help and I give you some, and then you don't call me back and tell me how it works. So Doc Krupp is in the doctor in business for the right reason because he actually cares. Well, thank you, my friend, and I'm going to get out of here and let you go on with your show. Welcome to the neighborhood. Uh, Frank's a great guy. There's a lot of great people over here, and you brought a large group with you. So keep up the good work, and thank you for all you do, and you have a great day, my friend. All right, Doc Krupa, thanks for calling in. I do appreciate it. And uh... – I had another story I wanted to get to here today. Uh, let's see if I can bring this one in. Um, no, that's not the one I wanted, though it's a good one. Uh, Houston's Texans star receiver DeAndre Hopkins graces the cover of this week's Sports Illustrated. A lot of people thought maybe J.J. Watt ought to be on there. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't make it this time around. Though the rumor is he will be on there on a, at a later date. But that's not the story I wanted to bring you. The story I wanted to bring you uh, is uh, something, you know, we passed a law in Houston here or in Texas just a little bit uh, over a year ago that's had dramatic effect on Texas. In fact, we've passed several laws. And I wanted to just take a look at how some of those are working out for us. Uh, they, they actually signed 1,200 new laws last year. Now, I'm here to tell you that the first thing that needs to happen when you're, dealing with, uh, when you're dealing with Texas and you're dealing with Texas law, the first thing that needs to happen is um, we need to start hiring legislators who are going to repeal laws. And that's one of the things we need to do. When you're talking to a new legislator, uh, let's say you're a Tea Party member or something like that, where they have a forum for new uh, new people who want to be elected. But what you should do is when you go to those meetings, you should ask them, well, Bob Smith, if I elect you, how many laws will you repeal during your first session? I don't want to hear about the new laws you're going to try to get passed. I want to hear how many laws you're going to repeal. This is the problem. We got too many laws. And they signed into it into law twelve hundred more of them last session and now they're getting ready to meet again. We need two laws effectively. 
It should be against the law to steal people's stuff, period. Against the law to steal your stuff. Number two, it's against the law to murder people. Now, if you kill them while they're stealing your stuff, that's not murder, my friend. That's justifiable homicide. That's different. But that should be it. Those are the only laws we need. We don't need speeding laws. We don't need highway laws. People need to learn personal responsibility again. We don't need laws protecting the uh, the stock market, things like that. If you want to buy stocks, you buy them at your own risk. You find somebody you trust and trust them if you need advice. But that's that's a personal risk issue. Uh, and then if those people are caught defrauding people, well, then they stole your stuff, didn't they? And if you kill them because they stole your stuff, that's justifiable homicide. You see how this solves a lot of issues? Get back to two laws. Jesus Christ said, first law is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. That is the first law that Jesus Christ wanted to implement. Well, you see, if you could do that, if you could love Yeshua with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, well, that would make you perfect. And even if you fail to do it, as long as you got up every day and that's what you were striving to do, that would make you an amazing human being. And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you love your neighbor as yourself, are you going to steal his stuff? Well, of course not. If you love your neighbor as yourself, are you going to murder him? Well, of course not. Those are the two laws that Jesus said were the main two laws. He said this is the entire law and the prophets capsulized into one area. But today, if you took all the laws that have been written that affect you right here in Texas, I doubt if I could get them all into this studio at one time. That's how many laws there are. You commit three felonies a day, six, if you drive a car. We have fallen into the trap of the communist because part of the Communist Manifesto is to pass sufficient laws so that any man may be arrested at any time for a cause. Every man is a criminal. That's Communist Manifesto. We got another communist law on the books here in Texas, the property tax. Yes, it's a communist law because when you have a property tax, that means that that governmental aid entity that is taxing you has seized control of your land, and they're now renting it back to you. Oh, don't, don't be stupid, and don't pretend to be stupid. Do not tell me you own your land as long as you're being taxed on it. You don't own your land. You do not own your land. The state owns your land. The school district owns your land. And if you don't believe me, quit paying your property taxes and see how long you get to live there. This is the problem. That's a communist idea. The state owns everything and you own nothing. When I went out working hard for Lieutenant Dan, Lieutenant Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor of Texas, broadcast on his radio station for many years. Indeed, I still do a weekend Saturday show over there on entertainment with Checker Pro Joe. But nonetheless... Dan Patrick, when I was working for him, he was all fired up about getting rid of this property tax because we knew it was immoral. We knew it was anti-God. We knew only a godless government would implement a property tax on its people. 
Well, now that Dan Patrick's lieutenant governor, he's a little more sanguine about that. Well, we got to pay for stuff. Well, do we really? No, we don't. What we need to do is cut the budget by 50% and get rid of the property tax. That's why I so wanted to get somebody real in the state controller's office that would work on that. Didn't happen, though. Anyway, one of the new laws makes it a felony to harbor or shield someone from detection by the law. The idea is to crack down on people like uh, some of the churches out there, Catholic churches especially, that are trying to hide illegal aliens and allow them to skirt the Border Patrol. The Attorney General added that the Human Trafficking Division was designed to prosecute violators, and human trafficking violators were bumped from state felonies to higher offenses. Well, hey, I'm, I'm happy to hear it. I truly am. Is it enough? Well, no, probably not. No, probably not enough. Probably not enough at all. But nonetheless, that's where we are. That's where we find ourselves. I'm asking you to make a change. We're not going to have time to finish this. Maybe I'll get back to it tomorrow. But we've got to do something to solve these problems. DPS asking for an additional billion dollars to beef up Border Patrol crackdown. Now, I ask you, what in the world does the Department of Protect the Department of Public Safety have to do with Border Patrol? That is an Army job. That's a guard job. And that's where that belongs. more of niacin. Anybody get that? Figure out the, the connection between niacin and the band? Happy birthday to Cutler!
and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addis, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events. Today is Tuesday, September 6th, 2016. Good afternoon, Al. Well, Melody. Well, are you rested after all of those days off? No. I don't know. You know, it's like we were talking about it before the program. Just say no, yes. no, no. I'm not going to start. I'm not going to start fibbing, Melody. I'm perhaps more rested than I was, but still, it's. I don't know. Oh. These holidays are not what they're cracked up to be. You know, oh, you go in and you. Poor soul. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, we did survive uh, Hermine here in the. Uh, where I'm located, and, uh, you know, it was, uh, uh, so I hope those, uh, the rest on the East Coast fared well. Gold today fared extremely well today. We're looking up twenty-one sixty, twenty-one dollars and sixty cents at $1,349. I told you guys, pressure prior to the weekend, pressure prior to the G20 meeting, and afterwards, gold will pop. We had a nice pop today, along with silver popping 50 cents at twenty. 12, back over $20. It's good to see that happen once again. Platinum, big day for platinum, up $25 at $1102. And palladium was up 19 at 701 And again, another good uh, piece of advice. If you have your gold and silver portfolio and you wanted to diversify a little bit, platinum would have been a good buy. Still, it's not a bad buy. It's still, what, 250 uh, lower than gold, and uh, gold is uh, platinum usually sells higher than gold. That's uh, just the history of it. So anytime it dips below gold, it can be a good diversification for your, for your precious metals holdings. And we have the pressure on the dollar day, 0.89 to the downside at 94.88. Crude oil was up 41 at 44. 85. Paper markets today had the Dow up 46. That was all over the place. It was uh, negative territory uh, midday. Uh, did come back. 18,538. The NASDAQ was up 26 at 5,275. The S&P was up 6 at 2186. And uh, the 10-year yield, ooh, down 3.32% at 1.54%. And, of course, the euro being stronger with the dollar down, down, and that was 112. All Asian and European markets were stronger um, coming out of the, the big old G20 meeting uh, that was held in China. And, um, you know, it's the same thing. I don't know what they do at these meetings. Uh, they, they certainly won't announce it to you and me. Uh, they could pretend to announce some things, and what they did announce is that uh, um, supposedly, supposedly there were some proposals uh, that emerged uh, to meet some uh, challenges to globalization and free trade. There sounds to me like they might be running scared as to uh, some of these uh, countries that are saying, hey, you know, maybe enough is enough. And uh, there was a two-day gathering in the China's uh, city Hangzhou. Uh, not sure if that's the proper way to pronounce it. And um, but they want to. Their aim is to revive growth engines of international trade and investment. 
is what the uh, Chinese president said in a closing statement. We will support multilateral trade mechanisms and oppose protectionism to reverse declines in global trade. So um, if they're not going to support, uh, you know, what are they going to do for the reverse when uh, perhaps there is some uh, changes in the uh, global trade agreements um, coming from What they're talking about is things are getting tight. People are buying, they are increasingly... Yeah, but what are they going to do about it? ...locally rather than import from China. And China, they depend on exports. That's their problem. They're scared to death that if people don't buy their stuff, what's going to happen to China? Well, I get that. But what are they going to do to defend it, is my point. Oh, I don't think they... They can jawbone a little bit, and they can try to persuade people, but they are fighting a rising tide of nationalism Absolutely. that's taking place around the world right now just because people are tight for dollars, right? And they don't dollars or euros or whatever, and they're trying to protect what they have, and therefore there's pressure not to buy from foreign countries. Yeah, so I mean, China's on the skids is what it comes down to. We have we had the, the Brexit vote. Uh, we have Trump. Mm-hmm. That's beginning to get out in the head uh, this weekend uh, in Germany. Uh, Merkel's Chancellor is uh, Angela Merkel. Her party was yeah. uh, relegated to third place yeah, no. behind an anti-immigrant party. And that's in a regional uh, election they had on Sunday. And she says, I'm very unsatisfied. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, you would be with the outcome of the election. She's obviously has something to do with the refugee question, but mm-hmm. uh, she nevertheless believes the decisions made were right. And, you know, she's not going to back down. She's going to continue and she's going to, you know, because she's got an agenda she has to complete as long as she is in office. Yep. And uh, she's going to continue to promote and do what has to be done, just like we have Obama doing the same thing here with the uh refugees uh they're they're coming is in obama doing that because he wants to do it or is he doing it because he's george soros puppet and if the answer is yes we also saw obama had a nobel prize as perhaps george soros puppet al gore was george soros puppet he got a nobel prize for doing a uh powerpoint presentation on global warming i'm wondering how many People in government around the world has Soros bought and paid for, and it makes it raises the question: not only is is the Nobel Prize for sale to the highest bidder, but what about Angela Merkel? Is she expressing her real opinions? We need more of these refugees. Is that what she personally believes, or is that what she pay is she's paid to promote? Both. I don't think they probably believe they're they're paid to promote it. Of course, you know I, I do believe. Uh, um, I mean, there's no other way you can get around it because they're going to go through with these uh, bringing the, the refugees in, and um, there's no stopping them. And uh, well, they can be know. stopped anytime well, once somebody wants point, to stand well, up on their hind legs. Well, you know what I mean, Al, and so do the listeners. But at this point in time, and hopefully we can get somebody in office that will say enough is enough. Well, and, that's a little uh, of what we changes. saw in this last election. Yes. When Merkel came in third place, it's she's signaling that so the public has had enough. So she's on her way out. Hopefully. Uh, but she'll be able to, um, I'm not sure when they have the actual election, but uh, uh, these are regional elections that's coming up soon. Yeah, the British Prime Minister, uh, Theresa May, she was attending her first G20 summit since the Brexit, and she uh, replaced David Cameron, and uh, she said governments needed to do more to ensure that the working people really benefit 
from the opportunities created by free trade. How about fair trade, folks? And I'm so glad that you're so concerned about us working people. Yeah, I know. As if we're all going to get rich. The only people who get rich off free trade are the people who are able to, they have sufficient money to set up a factory in a poor country and sell their product into a rich country. And in doing so, they can make exorbitant, they can pay low wages, charge high prices, and make a fat profit. They can essentially straddle the oceans. And because they can straddle the oceans, they can profit from the difference in labor costs in one country and, and, re, and retail costs in another country. The average man can't straddle the ocean. He's caught either in the poor country where he will continue to keep, get poor low wages or in the, in the high retail problem. Uh, country where he's going to have to pay high prices for cheap but, products. Well, that's what next. That, that's what the the wealthy want to do next with all this open trade and free trade. You know, they're going to say, "Oh, the little mom and pop shops." You know, now you can mm-hmm. you can sell to China. You can sell. Look at all. Look at all the opportunities there. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's what Jack Ma said. The guy who owns Alibaba, the equivalent of Amazon. He mm-hmm. says, "Yeah." He says, "There's too many regulations for the mom and pop shops." Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's see a mom and pop compete against Amazon and Alibaba. There's no way you don't care how many regulations you take off and so forth you're not going to be able to compete with them but it'll make their business and it'll make their life a lot easier so again it's these laws and legislations are not passed to help you folks it is you know oh maybe one or two might get a little benefit from it but the majority of the people absolutely not even christine lagarde of the international monetary fund she spoke um, after the summit, and she said more inclusive growth was a priority. Aren't you glad all these global leaders and everything are telling, oh, yes, inclusive growth, uh, priority in the global economy. We've got to uh, throw she, some peanuts to the peons. She says we need increased growth, but it must be better balanced, more sustainable, love that word, and inclusive so as to benefit all the people. And it needs to be managed, of course, by the International Monetary Fund and or world government and or the big governments. I mean, people can't handle their own problems. Government will take care of your problems for you. And you know they'll do a great job because they always, always do. The truth is we're being strangled by our own government. Just as the Soviet Union was destroyed by its own government, they went too deeply into debt. and The debt became so excessive that they could not keep all of their promises, and ultimately they collapse under the weight of their promises that couldn't be kept. And why couldn't they be kept? Because government is non-productive. It's one thing for someone like me to make a promise. I actually work for a living. I am capable of perhaps keeping the promise. Government can't. The only way government can keep its financial promises is by they make the promise, and then they say, okay, who are we going to tax? We've got somebody got to get some idiot out there. I know. Why don't we just go into debt? We'll leave the bill for the kids and the grandkids. Somebody's got to pay for all the government's stupidity. And the government keeps selling us free lunches, and we are dumb enough to take those free lunches. And as a result, we're headed for a time when we're going to find out, uh-oh, they weren't for free. They actually have to be paid. And we're going to find out who's going to pay them. And the kids aren't going to pay it. They don't have jobs. All right, at least not enough. Grandkids aren't going to pay it. They're not old enough. We're coming to a time of crisis. And when we get there, 
Those people who have gold are going to be way better off than those people who have paper. We'll talk more about that as we get into the program, but I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things. You look at it, you see how dire our circumstances are, and you wonder. I, I have no idea how much longer this can be sustained, and it may be years before the stuff really hits the fan, but it might not be also. No, it could I be think, fourth quarter this year. It might be fourth quarter 10 years from now. I don't know what's going to happen. I but think, it's going to happen. It's mathematically guaranteed. Going to happen. Well, I think it's certainly going to be sooner than later. And I certainly believe that this election, I mean, it certainly is a strange election. And it's just not Trump and coming out and Hillary and so forth. But if you really look and, and, and you know, if the rumors are true about her health and... You've heard Obama already say Trump will never be president. I mean, it's easy to, you know, <laughs> imagine um, something that could stay in an election. And, well, um, are you hinting that Obama might stick around for a third term? You know what? Term? I was never one for 20 years, 20 plus years. I've heard this that, you know, but I'll tell you what, knowing Obama, now, if I believe if they actually stayed in an election, I believe there'd be a lot of social unrest. So I don't think that will happen. I don't either. But this is a strange election. We're in a strange situation with our economy. Uh, We are at a a situation where our debt in this country, I mean, we have, our debt ceiling has been suspended for two years. I mean, nobody really knows what any, anything is going on. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of things that could happen, so that's why I believe things will happen sooner than later. There's a lot of calls for the uh, with the Renmembi being added into the SDRs at the end of September. That all oh, that's going to drop the, the the value of the dollar. Well, you know, I might put pressure on it. Do I believe it's going to go to you know it's going to fall out of bed and have it devalued? No, I don't. Uh, but I do believe we can see a little bit of weakness, but because you have to remember who owns the IMF. You US. have to understand. You have to understand how those currencies work. You know, countries are, are allotted. There's rules. So much goes in. It's a way for them to manipulate. So yeah, I could see. Since China has devalued their currency so much, yeah, I could see them wanting to strengthen theirs and lose ours a little bit because we're having problems with our dollar being as strong as it is. Because none of these multinational corporations. I mean, they're just all. You know, it's not good for us. So, yeah, I could see some sort of adjustment. Do I believe this would be the ultimate devaluation of the currency? No, I believe when we have the ultimate devaluation of the currency, I believe that I'll have to deal with our debt. It'll be that type of a situation. And something much more major will will force that to happen, which I believe that much major force is not that far away. I mean, things are just... It's it's it's, it's nipping at our heels, but it has been for some time. Yeah, but not. I mean, this peaking. is the kind of problem that could have we're happened. Peaking. I get that. I understand that. I mean, I get it, but you got to give the devil his due. Uh, I've, also, I've always said that you cannot underestimate their power and their abilities. But they're running out of it. it yes. This thing is becoming increasingly irrational and openly irrational. And everybody who looks at this, I don't mean that everyone in the world understands what's going on, but I think just about everyone who looks at this and actually takes the time to understand 
or try to understand what's going on in, in global finance and in the U.S. financial systems and whatever, I don't think you can look at this and come away with a happy face. This is in big, we are in big trouble. And the only question is, you know, it's like going down the mountain road in a vehicle with one of the wheels is hanging on with one, with one bolt and one nut. Uh, it's dangerous times. Let's take a break for some commercial announcements. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Searstrom, and we will be back in just a moment. Please stay tuned. count high half of all men over 50 have an enlarged prostate you can shrink your prostate without harmful drugs or risky surgery the secret to healing the prostate is to cleanse the prostate and the liver call apothecary area herbs to ask about the prostate kit for a comprehensive way to heal and soothe your prostate educate yourself on how easy it can be to disinfect cleanse and restore your prostate gland Call Apothecary Herbs for the prostate kit and successfully reduce swelling, inflammation, dissolve stones, and cleanse the blood to obtain the results you need. Money-back guarantee with every purchase. Call the experts in organ cleansing. Call Apothecary Herbs now for the prostate kit and empower yourself. Toll-free 866-229-3663 or international callers 704-875-8010. That's toll-free 866-229-3663 or visit the web at thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. What's next, Melody? Well, here's uh, some more information that'll kind of make you want to, if you're going to donate to the campaigns, especially Trump campaign, this will make you want to do it even more. Goldman Sachs, they're prohibiting their top officials from donating to campaigns of state and local politicians. 
And you say, well, he can say he can still do for the presidential. Well, no, Pence is a governor uh, running for vice president. But there was an email that was set, sent September 1st to the Goldman Sachs partners, which equals about 1% of their employees, which equals about 37,000 people. It is their highest ranking employees. Uh, the bank's government compliance department forbade them from making donations to any federal candidate who is sitting state or local official. Uh, the email also says that the rule applies to any governor ruling for president or vice president, such as the Trump-Pence ticket. Vice presidential candidate Mike Pence, of course, is the governor of Indiana. Uh, donations to Trump and Pence, PACs or super PACs, will also not be allowed. But they did not prohibit, these new guidelines did not prohibit the top brass from donating to, guess who? Hillary Clinton or Tim Kaine. And um, um, so, kind of interesting. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, all right. It's I don't know. It's the sort of thing that just... It's not interesting, but again, it just goes to show you how close Wall Street... And and Our Washington, government is a racket. There are a bunch how of gold, how Wall Street and how uh, Washington work so close together, and um, you know, and they're proud of it now. At one point in time, you know, you probably wouldn't read a story about this, or you know, no one would you know really say anything about it um, because it was something they tried to hide or cover up and so forth. But uh, not anymore. They're kind of pr- proud and proud of it. But so I thought that was interesting. Oh, I agree. I agree. It's just one more of those, uh, one more of those stories that make you wince. And just you know, it's the sort of thing you look at, and it is offensive. It's offensive. They don't have enough respect for the people to even consider their conceal their crimes. Just come out there, and they just say, "Yeah, we're a bunch of crooks." I mean, it's like it's like dealing with Al Capone getting his picture in the newspaper or. Who was it? The Teflon Don in New York. I can't think of his last name, but they make a big show of it. Yeah, we're crooks, so what? Right. Well, let's hope let's hope that the crooks in government get the same thing that Al Capone got and the same thing that uh, the Teflon Don got. Yeah. You at least owe us, you people in government at least owe us the courtesy of trying to conceal your crimes. And that's an idea that is apparently lost on government at this time. What else we got, Melody? Well, there was one more thing. I I, I I thought I kept it, but I want to talk. You just picked something, but I I found an interesting um, uh, about our health care system. I'll, I'll see if I can't find it. If not, we'll have to bring it tomorrow. Um, but how England, their socialized medicine, which is pretty much a cousin to the Veterans Administration, how they're now beginning to turn away um, surgeries, even emergency surgeries, uh, for people that are either overweight or, or smokers or that type of thing. And, you know, it's sure we all want to be healthy, and yeah, we know smoking's not good, being overweight's not good, and so forth. But you know what? When it comes down to, you know, determining who. You know, and who, dies. who lives and who dies, um, all for the sake of these insurance companies and these governments, uh, um, for them to dictate 
Um, What are they really telling us there, Melody? Telling us they're broke. Absolutely. And they can't afford to operate on everyone who needs the help. This is the this is at least a a an early sign of a coming debt repudiation. Now they're not going to come right out and say, "Well, we can't afford to pay the debt." So, you know, too bad for all you people. But they're going to do things like this, and they're going to start cutting access to benefits that in theory people have paid for, they were at least promised, and the government's just saying, no, we can't deliver on our promises. Now, they're not going to admit they're repudiating the debt. They're not going to admit that you folks are going to have to have a, ter- a haircut or you're going to have to endure some restructuring because we can't pay the debt. That means we can't afford to operate on it. But that's what it's going to amount to, and we'll see the same thing in this country before this is done. Government, the debt is too great, can't be paid, won't be paid, and government doesn't want to admit it. I don't know that I will live long enough to hear them admit they can't pay the debt, but that's the reality. And sooner or later, they're going to have to deal with that reality, and when they do, it will be either by means of inflation, where they can covertly reduce the debt, or it'll be by overt repudiation, which means somebody stands up and says, sorry, folks, we're broke. We can't pay. But you know what's sad, Al, is I wonder how many people, I don't think anyone listening to the program, but how many people out there will actually think, well, what's wrong with that? Oh, hey, if you smoke, hey, (laughs) you know, you don't deserve the care. Get healthy and then you'll get, and it's just like, I don't know. We we talked about when the Obamacare came through that there'd be so-called death panels and so forth, mm-hmm. and that's really what it is. Well, this we're talking. The example we have is coming from England. England, True? the Veterans Association. I mean, they're both you know one pay, yeah. So I look at the problems the the, the Veterans Administration has. Is it no, is it another, by accident? Is it by, is, it by, is it by a poorly run agency, or is it by design that In these veterans to... are getting difficult? Or bad care, and so to you know. So, uh, but it's just around the corner. A lot cheaper to bury them than it is to fix them, Melody. How do you think they're going to fix Obamacare, folks? Do you think we're really going to go back to an older system, to where there's actually free markets in the health industry, in the healthcare industry, where you have the population of baby boomers that are ready to, you know, need a lot of care? No. We're not. It, it's it's a funny thing. We may actually be headed back toward an older system. And what I mean by that, you're going to have to find somebody who lives on your block who had a little training as a nurse, or maybe a vet, meaning of someone who worked on animals, veterinarian. Well, yeah. Well, right. You may have to find somebody. You may have to get you or your wife or somebody in the family may have to pick up a first aid manual and say, what do we do if this happens? It becomes we are headed back toward a privatized system simply because if you want any medical care, some of you are going to have to figure out how to do how to sew up your own boo-boos. Well, that's going yeah. way back. <laughs> well, it's going back, but, but nevertheless, doing, you see what I'm saying. No, but Al, what you're doing is you're bartering for health care, basically. Mm, all right, all right. Barter for health care. I mean, if you've got to have it, the government has created obstacles to receiving it. You know, it's like education. We make a big production about educating children, and we give them one of the worst education. Well, 17 to 20th in the world, somewhere in that vicinity. We used to be best in the world. Now we're number 17. Last I heard, we might be number 20. I don't know. 
Um, medicine is like that. Yeah, where well, it's great, great medicine if you're wealthy, right? If you're not, it's a problem. And it goes to government regulation. What's one of the biggest problems medicine has? There's not enough doctors. All right, so why not let nurses, for example, there's, there are a lot of things that nurses can do. Why not let them start practicing? Set up a little clinic of their own where they can deal with minor emergencies. They can, set, they can set a bone. They can sew up a cut. They can administer, who knows, certain, certain kinds of drugs. Maybe not highly sophisticated, but you've got to open the doors. You can't, in the name of supposedly maintaining quality, you have restricted the supply of doctors, and the result is price of medicine goes up. Same things happen in law. I've had, I used to publish a magazine called The Anti-Shyster. I raised cane as best I could for lawyers and judges. What I advocated all along, what we needed were more lawyers. A lot of people think that's crazy. We don't know. We need more. If we had more lawyers, the price of legal services would fall. Instead of paying some guy a couple hundred dollars an hour and letting him get away with any stunt he wants to pull, if he, there were competitors out there who were willing to work for 50 bucks an hour, they'd get business, and the greedy would get less business. It yeah, but would you know what, Al? You're not going to find competitors working for 50 bucks an hour. Try to get in one for 50 bucks no, an hour. No, you're not right now. The only way you right can do now, this. Even back then, you get you what you paid for. You have to increase the supply. You got you have what you paid increase. for. Well, that's another thing. What do you get from lawyers? You know, the average lawyer loses half of his cases that go to court to litigate. If you and I, if you and I sue each other and we go to court, your attorney is going to stand up in front of the jury and say, Melody is pure as a driven stone. And my attorney is going to say the same thing about me. One of them's lying, at least. And one of them always loses. One out of two. They got a 50% failure rate. How many of you could hold a job at McDonald's if half the hamburgers you flipped landed on the floor? You could, you'd be out of business, but it's taken for granted that lawyers can get away. They lose half the cases they litigate. On average, criminal defense lawyers lose even more. They lose probably 95% of the cases they litigate. I think that a lot of the problem is, Al, a lot of the, you know what, why do you need so many is because we become a sue-happy yeah. country, the things that people used to work out between one another, all of a sudden doesn't get done. People can't communicate anymore. You can't work things out. You can't. So you need, you know, someone in there to mediate and, and to take it to court. And I mean, it's just like everybody suing was a great way to hopefully get rich quick or you get a few extra bucks in your There's pocket. There's the problem. There's you know? another one of the problems. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. The I mean, problem is thing. the profit of injustice. There's the problem, fundamental problem. We don't go to court because somebody's tree fell on our garage. We go to court because somebody's tree fell on, and we don't go to court to fix whatever was damaged. We go to court to maybe get rich. We don't just go to replace the garage. We maybe we house. can get a new Cadillac or a Mercedes Benz out of the deal. <laughs> All right. And what we have to understand is that justice does not merely mean that the plaintiff gets everything he's entitled to. It also means that the defendant does not pay more than he's, than he's liable for. All right? You can't just run a system like a grand lottery and an opportunity to get rich. That's what drags people. It's what forces, it's what entices 
people to sue, oh boy, I could get rich, and it compels other people to defend. There's people out there who are responsible for doing $2,000 worth of damage to your car. They would be happy to give you the two grand, just say, gee, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. It was an accident, I made a mistake. But if you're going to sue them for $50,000, guess what? They're not going to give you the two grand. They're not going to offer to settle. They're going to hire an attorney and pay everything they have to pay to defend to make sure you don't collect a single dime. The injustice, again, it's not just a question of getting what you deserve. It's also not getting more than you deserve. And our system doesn't recognize that at all. So, in any case, my notion is that we should have more people. There's all kinds of people that are competent to help people with traffic tickets, for example, or minor problems in law. Well, it doesn't take it doesn't take a genius. It doesn't take you know three years of law school and a PhD or whatever in order to deal with traffic tickets. It can be handled by people for reasonable prices. And it should be possible for ordinary people to do that. There are people that are there are people I know who are quite competent and have won quite a few traffic tickets. They should be able to help others, but it's restricted. Well, the same thing's going on in medicine. They restrict the supply of doctors, and when they do, they say it's to help you, they say it's to maintain quality, but the truth is the restricted supply forces you to pay higher prices than the market should be able to charge. That result, sooner or later, you've got to learn how to sew up your own wounds. You, know? you have to learn how to do, take care of your own medicine. Somebody in the family has got to study first aid. And you hope they're not the ones who get beat up and cut up or whatever. Uh, I, I My point in all of this is that if you want to look for the cause of the problem, look closely at government. And, and also what you have to look at is how you're going to pay for these things. When you think your dollar is going to hold up against everything that is coming our way, the dollar is going to continue to lose value. The only thing that's going to protect your purchasing power for health care, hey, if you needed an attorney to litigate uh, your broker so you can get your money after the markets were closed or they shut down the the, the stock market for three months and, and you know you have to hire an attorney for that, hey, how are you going to pay for it? What's going to protect your purchasing power? It's going to be gold. Gold is your monetary uh, item in order to protect it against your falling currency. You have to exchange those fiat dollars and get something that's real money. And get a that payment, is just, not a promise. And this pay. is something that has been proven time and time again. And it's not, you know, when I listen to these folks out there who, and I know they're popular amongst all you listeners. If you listen to them, my gosh, you think the world is coming to an end tomorrow. And it might very well be. But then they tell you to get into some sort of a paper investment. Well, if they talk like the world is coming apart tomorrow, why in the world would you want to buy a paper investment? It doesn't even make sense. It's not logical might make sense, but it's not logical. And uh, they, because they use, your, they use that to get you to call, and then they kind of change you and, and sell you on getting, oh, well, here's 5% of physical gold. Folks, that's not going to do it for you. It's not going to do it for you. And then they'll sell you the rest in paper. Folding gold. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, that's kind of a clever, it's kind of 
a clever statement. Yep. But at that point, too, it's, it's kind cute, of cute. But if you're going to invest on the basis of cute, you're headed too. for trouble. It's also stupid. Of course it is. So, again, folks, you know, be logical about it. Don't get caught up in the greed, in the promises of 400% returns, 800% returns. You know? Yeah, they come to probably, you know, maybe. And, and what's funny is they always tell you, oh, this stock returned 900%. Well, you can't buy that today, but we got this other one that'll do the same thing, you know? They're just pitching you. So if you're concerned about our world economics, our economies, and if you believe our dollar is going to lose value, which I think many of our listeners believe as I do, you need to get protected with gold, physical gold and silver. Take delivery of it. Okay, let's take a break for some commercials, Melody, and you folks can take delivery of a couple of our commercials. I'm Alfred Adask here with Melody Cedarstrom, and we'll be right back. Please stay tuned. or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free 866-229-3663. That's 866 866- Two two nine three six six three. International callers dial seven zero four eight seven five eight zero one zero or order online at the three w's dot thepowerherbs dot com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm Alfred Adams here with Melody Cedarstone on Financial Survival. What's next, Melody? I have a nice little package today. 
I'm going to carry the Mint State 64, $20, St. Gaudens gold piece. We have them priced incredibly low. Uh, you're probably looking at a $50 savings per coin. And we're also going to add 20 Morgan silver dollars. Now, these are 1921 Morgan silver dollars in circulated VG plus condition. And we're going to add 20 of those. This includes your shipping costs. And to make the premium easy, it comes to $2,016. $2,016 for a Mint State 64, $20 St. Gaudens, and 20 Morgan silver dollars, BG plus condition, for a total of $2,016. I love, I think the 64 Saints right now are a great buy. I mean, basically, let me do this real quick. They were priced $65 over a Mint State 62. And you can have hundreds of dollars of spread between a Mint State 62 Saint and a Mint State 64 Saint in a very demand-type um, market. So great buy on Mint State 64, $20 Saint Gardens 2016, which includes 20 Morgan Silver dollars, and your shipping is included. I've got an interesting article here. How you much? Do? Yeah, this is from Cheat Sheet. And it says, <laughs> How much money does the average American have in their bank account? What are you snickering about? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's Wall Street publication, the rest. They take all the cheat sheet, but it's a, a credible publication to say incredibly high earners and billionaires can skew the numbers quite a bit while those who are deep in debt will still have some money in account somewhere. However, the average American has about 4436 bucks in their bank account. The number comes from a study by bank consulting firm Mobes Services in 2014. Okay, this is two years later now, all right? Nevertheless, I'm surprised the average American has $4,436 in their bank account, but it reflects how much it includes, how much is in Bill Gates' bank account, all right? It's not just a question of how much is in your bank account or mine. It reflects how much is in Bill, Bill Gates. Uh, what's even more off- offensive, well, they represented a significant jump from 2012's number, all right? They have 4,436 in 2014. This is a big jump above 2012. What's even more amazing is how much higher that figure was uh, than it, the 2014 figure was than it was in 2007, just prior to the Great Recession, when the average American had only 788 bucks in their checking accounts. Now, what this tells us is that Americans have become significantly more inclined to save. Right? And it will explain why, for example, business at restaurants is down. People aren't buying. They're trying to squirrel money away to the limit of their ability in bank accounts and savings accounts, whatever. Um, they've gone from 788 in 2007 to 4,436 in 2014. One reason for the change, it's not, necessary to, it's not necessarily true that people are richer, it's that people are managing their finances differently. Again, people are saving rather than speculating or spending. 
That's evidence of a deflationary mindset among the public. Deflation is typically associated with economic recession or depression. We can see why government is spending so much. It's quite possibly trying to stimulate the economy by supplanting what would otherwise be spent by the American people. If your folks are saving your money, that's not stimulating the economy. If there's going to be any stimulation, it's kind of up to the government to borrow and spend the money and see if they can get the rebuild public confidence where people stop saving so much and start spending. This, what we're looking at is the aftermath of the Great Recession of 2008-2009, and people were burned so badly that apparently it's made an indelible mark in their, in their minds where a lot of them are sitting back, I'm not getting into that again. I, whatever's happened, I'm going to have a little money in the bank. Right? I'm not going to survive just completely hand-to-mouth on this thing. Um, a 2015 survey from GoBankingRates.com reports that 62% of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. So we're looking at the average. We're saying that the wealthy people are saving more money. Poor people at 62% have less than a grant, $1,000 in the bank. 21% don't even have a savings account. A report from the Federal Reserve in 2013 says 4,000 4, people were surveyed. Of those, 31% reported having no retirement savings or pension, including 19% of those aged 55 to 64, and 25% didn't know how they will pay for their expenses in retirement. And they conclude saying, for a lot of people, this means one thing. They're just one or two missed paychecks away from being in a lot of trouble. The implications of this little article is that rich people are are, are saving more, and they're skewing the savings results. Poor people are still in trouble. Uh, what did they say? 62% have less than $1,000 in their savings. But uh, rich people are saving more. Ordinary people aren't saving much. Um, it's going to be a difficult time. And we have to assume that if rich people are saving more, they tend to be of a mindset where they think there's a crisis coming. Right? They think, uh-oh, there's trouble headed our way, and we'd better get ready for it and prepare as best we can. And they are skewing the numbers higher to 4,436, where historically, at least in recent times, the average has been below $1,000 uh, per bank account. So I don't know if that makes a lot of sense to people, but it may explain why a lot of businesses are slow. People are tending to save, and wisely so. The unfortunate thing is that we live in an economy where if people save, which is sensible and prudent, it diminishes, it it. It destimulates the economy. If you're saving money, you're not spending it. If you're not spending it, somebody doesn't have to work to make whatever gigaws you might otherwise purchase. Uh, there's an imbalance here where they depend on you folks to spend something. They depend on all of us to be consumers. That means we have to, typically, it means we have to go into debt 
Borrow something. Will you please borrow something? Go out and spend the money? That's what they want the consumers to do. And all by itself, it's dangerous and it's wrong. What they should be focusing on is not a consumer environment where people only, in order to keep the economy running, all we need to do is go out and buy something. In order to keep the economy running, what we need to do is produce something. And increasingly, we don't. We've been buying so many products from China, for example, or other third world countries, and our jobs have moved overseas. Illegal aliens come in to take jobs that remain. If we're not producing something, we are going to starve. You know, it's that old notion, you got a pie and everybody gets a piece of the pie. Well, if the pie gets bigger, we all get a bigger piece. If we're producing more apples and more pie crust and rest of it, we get more pie. We're not producing more pie. We are consuming more pie, but only because we are borrowing against the future. And we're getting a big chunk of pie, and we think, oh, that's great, or at least some of us are getting a pretty big, big chunk of pie. <clears throat> but it's based on borrowing, not production. And sooner or later, that's going to bite every one of us. It's going to cause us great harm. And many of us are going to be forced to learn how to produce once again. And if you can't, you're going to starve. Well, anyway, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if it was interesting to you, Melody, or not. Did you find it interesting that people are saving enough? Uh... Well, I was just, it is interesting because, you know, again, we hear, you know, we know the jobs, we know the part-times, they're working multiple jobs, they're all part-time jobs, wages stink, they're really not going up. And uh, so it's, you know, how do you account for, um, how do you account for those savings? We know gasoline prices have gone down. Mm -hmm. Perhaps that was enough to offset uh, some of those savings. You know, I mean, that because that's the only thing that really has gone down is gasoline prices in that uh, time frame. So, well, the, there's um, another side on that. What's gone up? And that is the profits to the to the wealthiest people in the country. Mm -hmm. It's easier for them to save because they're making more money. Again, this article pretty much admits that the numbers yeah. we're dealing with average numbers. And most of the people, 62 percent, have a thousand or less. If we've got four thousand four hundred dollars average, yeah. it means that the wealthiest People are saving more probably because they're making more. Yeah, but it, it does show that uh, there is concern. I mean, and I think we're seeing that also in the election. Uh, people oh, yeah. are concerned. It's, it's just not about building a wall and keeping the illegals out. It's also about, you know, those jobs. But you know what's interesting about jobs? I was talking to someone yesterday, and he says, you know, um, you know in the area we live, there's a, a booklet that's published. It's probably 20 pages. You know, maybe a five by seven. It's not a huge paper, but maybe a five by seven little magazine. Um, that's for employment. You know, about uh, and the print is small, and about twenty pages. And it's like, you know, there's, you know, that we're paying nine and ten dollars an hour. And what's sad is because benefits, and we've talked about that before in this program, benefits actually pay more. <laughs> The and nine wages. and ten, then the wages of the nine and ten dollars. That doesn't mean that the wages are low for for what is required for the job requirement. It's that government is paying too much on these benefits. 
And government uh, is meddling and promising it to be everything to everyone. If you'll just vote for me, I'll see to it that you get a free lunch. And that's the fundamental pledge of virtually everyone in Congress and the Senate to somebody. They're giving away free lunches, but they're not free. Somebody's going to have to pay for them. And it's government's promises of free lunches that have made this put this country in great jeopardy. How can they make those promises? They can make them because we have a fiat monetary system where you can spin paper dollars out of thin air. If we still had a gold or silver-based monetary system, we had gold until 33 in this country. We had silver until 68 in this country. We had gold internationally until 1971. If we still had the gold and silver impose limits on the government that they can't easily get around because you can't spin gold or silver out of thin air. When, once we went to the fiat currency, government could print all the money it wanted. It can buy everything it wants. It can, it can promise anything it wants, and politicians took it for granted. Let's just promise the yokels more free lunches, and they'll vote for us. You know, I also saw, and it's interesting because this was actually from CNN. <laughs> and I was surprised that this report was from CNN. And it was about the election. And I don't mean to get back to the election, but it kind of all ties together. And it was basically referencing in this G20 meeting how Obama was not the best light guy there. I mean, he had numerous problems. I mean, they didn't even bring the ladder out on the tarmac at the plane. Now, you talk about showing disrespect uh, to a – I mean, you're you're basically thumbing the nose at Obama. You had Russia. They basically – uh, also thumbed its nose at the United States. You had China. You had the Philippines. I mean, heck, the only one that probably stuck by Obama's side was because of these refugees was the Europeans. But everybody else in the world, and it kind of surprises me. I don't recall a time when so many world leaders were so Openly outspoken. Contemptuous. Yeah, at the end of a presidential term. Man, they only got two months to wait. Oh, you know, Obama, really? I, he's earned it. Well, a little bit. He's earned it. How many wars has the Nobel Peace Prize winner fomented but it's, to me, or it's participated like, in? It, but it's like they're supporting Trump. You know, it's this way to come back and well, say... maybe they are. You know, yeah. Maybe they are. Maybe they're looking forward to somebody they can work with, not some ideologue who's bound but to yet determine they also to Kavak. But in the previous report that we had it was like the 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 g20 meeting was all for you know free trade and and more globalization Uh which they won't we're not supposed to get with trump maybe we still will i don't know well maybe interesting to see the conflicting reports i mean obama whether he gives us free trade or not you can bet he's going to give us war yes all right that's the one thing. And maybe and if push comes to shove, people would rather not have they – they're more opposed to war than they are in favor of free trade. We're out of time. I want to thank all of you for listening. Melody and I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? Still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dreams, I have a 
political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Welcome to uh, Health Talk with Hesh. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking about something that a very saintly spiritual person told me years ago. And his words were, while you have to be in the world, you do not have to be of the world. And I thought hard about that. And, you know, there's so much stuff that goes on that you don't want to be a part of. There's so much stuff that goes on that causes misery and frustration and temporarily joyfulness. And I know that Things are out there to manipulate and control and to lead you down various paths only for the people at the end of the path to obtain financial satisfaction or gratification or notoriety or famousness or whatever. And it's all based on labels that are thrust upon us and what we accept to follow. What's, what's really interesting is there's a club out there and the club puts the label liberals on their club. But what does that mean? I mean, what do we mean by liberals? Well, I'm sure everybody has got their own 
definition for me, I see it's those people who accept big, big government as a given, regardless of their political affiliation. And yes, at certain key levels, it's a club, and they include the major media and the large corporations and the banks and the military and the well-funded foundations and the investment houses and the do-good for the do-good nonprofits and the legal and the medical societies and the academic factories and the think tanks and of course the huge pool of government employees. So for them, big, bigger and biggest government is a rock bottom assumption that requires no thought. Sun comes up every morning and there's a big government. But this assumption supersedes anything that's written in the Constitution that explicitly limits the power of central authority. So when there is conflict between that document and the actions of government, the Constitution automatically takes a back seat and it's looked upon as a primitive, ancient, worn-out set of ideas. So, in essence, the club is surprised and shocked that anyone would try to impede government based on fanciful notions about powers reserved for the individual states or the readings of the Second Amendment. Long ago, the club decided that every statement made in the Constitution was subject to revision or outright dismissal based on the arrogant concept that changing times require new measures and new solutions. So in their eyes, they're working with reality, whereas the constitutionalists have this quirky and disturbing obsession that clings to absolute principle. So if principle isn't a sign of a mental disorder, it at least indicates an unhealthy nostalgia about a fairy tale of days gone by. And the club assumes it has won its battle. Now, the club is focused on what big government in concert with its corporate allies can do to further expand. And this is where a disjunction of attitude occurs. So for some club members, the mission of government is to do good, to give to those in need, no matter how many are in need or how much that need grows. For other club members at higher levels, the massive giveaway and fulfilling of need is just a pose, a tactic to gain more adherents who will trade a great deal of their freedom for a little security. But there's no debate within the club about that matter. No one wants to rock the boat. 
and those at the higher levels view the do-gooders within their ranks as useful and amusing dupes. So the do-gooders, if they glimpse the faces and intentions of the higher-ups, shrug it off, assuming that somehow in the long run, the vision of a shared and just world will triumph because the universe wants to make it so. But the club has one major enemy, abundance. So the idea that there is enough for everyone who wants to work for it, the idea that individuals can pursue their deepest dreams and desires and win is anathema. Why? Because if that perception operated widely in the society, it would rule out the grasping need for invasive central government, therefore creating artificial scarcities is at the top of the club's to-do list. And of course, this agenda must be masked behind a false cover. So the scarcities must seem to be inevitable or at least caused by forces beyond our control. So scarcity of money, scarcity of health, scarcity of prosperity, scarcity of freedom, scarcity of property, scarcity of sanity, scarcity of natural resources, they must appear to be naturally occurring crises for which the only answer is parental control over the population. So when Buckminster Fuller offered his brilliant analysis of abundance and how we could achieve it on the planet, he was missing only one piece. Who would implement it? Who would revolutionize life for all? So the obvious answer is the people in charge. But that doesn't work for the simple reason that those people are dedicated to producing false scarcities. So to reject abundance, the elite club of Rome published its famous study, The Limits to Growth, in 1972. And basically it essentially used computer modeling to predict failure for civilization and ushered in this tidal wave of propaganda aimed at floating the planet's only hope for survival, which is a recognition of global interdependence and the distribution of the world's resources from a point of central planning. So the concept in turn was translated to mean addressing needs. Well, the conclusion of all this is that big government was the addresser and the single most important institution for saving us all. So hand in hand, the elite planners and the propagandists invented a loop that guaranteed the primacy of a bill of needs over a bill of rights. Individual freedom stood accused in the dock as the criminal, and it led to the wealthy few and the poor many, 
which resulted in the world out of balance. So the members of the club sitting in their massive London drawing rooms in their Park Avenue apartments applauded this progression of awareness. So to say they were laughing up their sleeves would be a vast understatement. So from FDR to Truman, from Eisenhower to Kennedy, from LBJ to Nixon, from Ford to Jimmy Carter, to Ronald Reagan, to George Bush, to Bill Clinton, to Bush Jr., the club watched their plans solidify. And regardless of what these presidents said or did, government expanded, and the official status of fulfilling needs was welded ever more securely to the government's mission. Finally, in a considerable victory to symbolically signify the emergence of the lowest to the highest, a man who represented former slaves on the American continent took up residence in the White House. And he, above the previous presidents, would raise the sword to equalize all status in society. He would right past wrongs. He would square past debts. He would fly the flag of humanity. He would label GMOs. Justice would be served. So no matter what the condition of his people would worsen during his reign, didn't matter. No matter that the condition of all Americans would diminish, didn't matter. No matter that he was the agent of an operation designed to put the crown on government as the great provider, didn't matter. From Buddha to Jesus to Karl Marx, the club has borrowed sentiments of high hope and realization in order to sell its program. The club has cast its role as the Masonic force. It's filled the pews of its church with followers who have no clue as to the actual plan, but instead mouth the word and sing the songs and praise the gifts. So the marketing of these sentiments, their weave, their fabric, their tone, and flow are the substance of a trance induction. And at the end of the line, America harmonized in its structure with other nations and a subsuming of the USDA under a regional and global arc of management. So as David Rockefeller, one of the designers of the plan, put in his 2003 memoirs, he said, some even believe we are part of a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States, characterizing my family as me and me as internationalists and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure one world, if you will. And if that is the charge, I stand guilty and I am proud of it. That's a direct quote from David Rockefeller. So there's millions of people who refuse to believe 
that a high humanitarian sentiment or ideal can be enrolled and deployed to defeat us. They automatically assume what stirs them is for the good. They're crowded together in the middle of a trance. They clog the arteries of the body politic. They ferment the disease of the public immune system attacking itself, and it's long past the time when they should wake up and cure their distorted perception. But as far as the club is concerned, they're useful. And useful will they stay as long as they can be hypnotized into the future glory that lies over the next hill. And then we come to the technocrats. Now, the technocrats among the club leaders consider the overall mission in terms of a system's fix. There are flaws in the way humans have chosen to organize themselves, and those flaws need to be corrected. So with the important information entered into computers, armed with algorithms, models can be obtained. And those models will take into account vital resources, such as water, breathable air, earth minerals, fuel, food crops, transportation, housing, education, Medicare, and on and on and on. And the planetary allocation quotas for all the territories and regions can be arrived at. So dispassionately, the human condition can be modified. The technocrats consider this an interesting problem. It will take work, but it will be solved. So certain factors, though, must be reduced or eliminated. Freedom, choice, personal decision-making have to be devalued in the new system in order to avoid the introduction of random and unpredictable outcomes. So the very meaning of a technocratic system precludes freedom as an objective because that quality of humans isn't circumscribed and can't be inserted as a pure passive object into calculations. So the technocrats value systems Above all, they live to build self-referential closed structures, and this fascination negates a whole range of emotions. So the technocrats aren't admirers of emotion, which are unpredictable when it comes to the mathematics of a new planet. So joy, for example, how would one enter joy into the equation? How could it be quantified? So the technocrats, in a sense, are a separate species. They're intensely cerebral. They're very mental. They view human beings as troublesome pieces of a puzzle. A system is erected on the basis of built-in controls, and humans tend not to fit. And this they find annoying. But there are ways to limit the trouble. Chemicals can be introduced into the brain. The chemicals will regulate behavior. This is another interesting problem awaiting a solution, a whole series of solutions. The drugs we know have, the the drugs we now have 
are only a minor step in the right direction. And it's all in the service of a better system, which is what the technocrats have to have. They would wither and die if they couldn't have it. They would feel isolated and useless and rejected. So if you want to see a technocrat squirm and wriggle and scream like a person being tortured, take away his access to systems. The greatest acceleration of human organization took place in the last century. The obsession for big, bigger, and biggest flowered as never before. Now, in this century, the push is for refinement. So to the technocrat, that means much greater definition of roles for humans. Specialization will take on a new restriction and regulations. Plugging people into a system is one thing, but carefully ordering their limits and restraints is another. So take the long view of this century. The overall aim is for a structure that will encompass the actions of every human on earth, every person with a designated function rigorously placed in the correct slot. And this will be promoted as salvation, and it will be floated as the genius of the species finally taking hold. But it's clear that for such an enormous structure, machines will perform better as workers than people in most cases. And as Bucky Fuller pointed out, automation is the wave of the future. This is what is to be done with humans. So the obvious answer is massive depopulation. It's on the drawing board and there's no doubt about it. And it's being enacted in certain regions of the world. But there's a significant glitch. Among most important club members are the heads and the owners and financiers of the mega corporations. And those corporations are already experiencing dead time in their operation. Their production lines are moving at half mass because the available consumer base is too small. Out of the world's population, maybe only a billion people have the means to participate in what is commonly understood as the consumer economy. And a, com and a corporation can accommodate far greater numbers, and that's the conflict, and it's been brewing for a long time. So if you have any knowledge about the men who run those companies, you know they will not go gently into the good night of major depopulation. Why? Because it would reduce their consumer base to a much greater degree. So far, all attempts to artificially create more consumers has failed. And the overall picture hasn't marketed, markedly changed, nor does it appear vast government giveaways will do the job in the future. So there's this thread of globalist calculation that appears to be an answer to the problem, and it's based on the old Nazi presumption of a lost master race, a genetic strain that certain Nazi leaders were dreaming and fantasizing about, all trying to recreate. 
So the new IG Farben, the vast chemical pharmaceutical Nazi cartel, is a loose collection of corporations that now constitutes global leadership in pharmaceutical genetic research. And it certainly wants to invent enhanced humans. And this is one of the prime goals, a laboratory-induced master race. So how do I perceive this? How do I look at this hideous project? How could it proceed? Over time, through food, drugs, and definitely vaccines, genetic factors would be inserted in human beings to render them infertile. The gradual ensuing decline in new births would be explained away by false cover stories. And those stories, particularly when they come from eminent researchers, would be rather easy to sell. So as the global population decreases, a reseeding and replacement operation would be launched. This would certainly include genetically enhanced humans, but it would also consist of favored body profiles and races because the overall program is most assuredly a raceless scheme. So in those regions where the population is made to fall, import the favored humans and genetically enhanced and specimens. And this isn't ultimately the population program. In its later stages, it's quite the opposite. So the objective is to reduce and then bring back a full 10 or 20 billion people on the planet. On the planet, it's all about replacement. It's all about the assumption that superior humans will flourish and they will buy and consume the products of the mega corporations. They will carry out to a T their assigned roles in the new civilization alongside the machines of the technocrats. It's a plan to rewrite the future. And when things are humming again, to forget the genocidal past entirely in four to five generations. What would this do? It would solve the conflict within the club among the technocrats, the mega corporations, and the Rockefeller type globalists. And somewhere today, a young person filled to the brim with vague ideals and hope, buying the promise that everyone's needs will be met, that suffering and pain and injustice will be solved, has no clue that such pretty thoughts can be hijacked in the service of building a system to eradicate what it means to be alive. So this young person thinks freedom, liberty, and the intentions of the Constitution are frivolous obstructions to a better world. So dispense with the Constitution. It isn't part of the modern trend. Instead, join the crowd. Shout with delight for the political salvation that is only a few more joined hands from realization. Number one, forget. Number two, believe. Number three, go along. And reject as absurd the possibility that elite planners have a completely different version of the world in tow. Yell for equality. 
whatever that may be shaped to mean. Think about nothing. Just swim into the days with faith born from what our leaders are selling on the shore of the new shining city. So here's where we're at. If you listen to this crap and you buy into this crap, you're going to be a part of this crap. Just like that spiritual person said, while you have to be in the world, you do not have to be of the world. So each and every one of us has to take responsibility for us. We have to understand that we have certain inalienable rights that give us freedom. And we can't let that freedom be taken away from us. We have to stand up for ourselves. If that means going under the radar and not being part of the system, then so be it. So what happens? We hear the word terrorist, right? So what is the the word terrorist? Is this strong adjective used to describe someone or some group that uses violence and fear to pursue a political goal. It's not normally used to describe someone who basically disagrees with a political position, okay? Nevertheless, Hillary Dillery Doc thought it was an appropriate descriptor of anyone who disagrees with her over the issue of abortion and the hideous nature of Planned Parenthood's baby parts for profit schemes that are currently being exposed in in all kinds of independent media places. Now, extreme views about women we can expect from some of the terrorist groups. That's what the former Secretary of State said at a rally in Ohio. We can expect that from people who don't want to live in the modern world, see? But it's a little hard to take coming from Republicans who want to be the president of the United States, yet they espouse out-of-date and out-of-touch politics. They are dead wrong for the 21st century America because we are going forward and we are not going back. That was the quote from the former Secretary of State, who is the Democrat. So one major pro-life organization didn't take the insult lying down. The person who is the president of the Susan B. Anthony list characterized Clinton's comment as outrageous noting that at least half of Americans identify as pro-life. And what she said was Hillary Clinton's outrageous comparison of pro-life Americans to terrorists is a slap in the face to every American, whether Republican, Democrat, man, or woman, who value the gift of life and support common sense limits on abortion. She is shockingly out of touch. That's what that woman, Marjorie Dana Feaster, said in a press release that was put out by the Washington Free Beacon. So the issue of abortion has been front and center 
during this present electoral cycle due to large due to the large part of the exposure of Planned Parenthood's horrific actions in harvesting and selling baby organs in the name of quote unquote science for as much profit as possible. And there were videos that were made possible by undercover journalists operating on behalf of the center earlier this year. So initially Clinton said nothing about the videos and she was not hard pressed to comment about them by the mainstream media. But eventually she was forced to address them when she told a local paper in New Hampshire that the video images were disturbing. But later she backtracked using her support for late term abortion to attack a Republican presidential rival. So it's a field that is almost universally pro-life. In addition, she opposed the Republican efforts in Congress to cut off taxpayer subsidies to Planned Parenthood, which amount to roughly half a billion dollars a year. GOP, government of the people. So over the last weeks, months, America's eyes have been opened to the pain that Planned Parenthood, a top Clinton ally, inflicts on the vulnerable. Graphic undercover videos reveal Planned Parenthood's practice of harvesting and vivisecting unborn children and then profiting off of their organs. So rather than defaming compassionate, sensible Americans who want to stop the horror, Clinton should be disting herself from the abortion business. And that's what Marjorie Dana Feaster said. And that makes sense. But the video footage revealed that the baby organ peddlers and the abortionists of Planned Parenthood were huge fans of Clinton. There was a person, Kate Dyer. He was the CEO of STEM Express. That was a firm that's partnered with about 100 Planned Parenthood clinics to buy and sell aborted fetal organs. And they told an undercover video team posing as tissue buyers that she has an autographed picture of Hillary Clinton on her desk. And she said, I am a huge Hillary fan. She'll be getting elected this time. It's a done deal as far as I'm concerned. That was her quote, Kate Dyer. So the Clinton campaign has taken in $10,000 from Planned Parenthood employees, which is about 20 times more than any other candidate in the 2016 field. So doubling down on her support for unlimited abortion on demand up to the moment of birth paid for by taxpayers will not win votes towards her cause. I mean, 84% of people oppose late-term abortion. This is what's happening. This is where it goes. So we're thrust in the middle of all these things. And then we hear that everybody's got to get vaccinated. California mandated everyone in public school, you have to get vaccinated. Uh, California is in the midst of passing a bill that will prohibit viewing and reporting on the film Vaxxed, 
And if anybody views it, and if anybody reports upon it, they will be arrested for treason. See, I, this, I'm not making this stuff up. So what about vaccines? Are vaccines toxic? Well, we know they contain things that are poisonous to us, like mercury, formaldehyde, aluminum. Even though the, the vaccine package inserts say this, and other information required by law to be disclosed to the public. And although those inserts are produced for consumers, the doctors do not make them available to their patients. Vaccines are grown on and contain foreign tissue and altered genetic material of both human and animal origin. Then we have the immunization, the act of injecting vaccines, depresses and disables brain and immune function. So honest, unbiased, scientific investigation has shown vaccinations to be a causative factor in many illnesses, including sudden infant death syndrome, autism, seizures, mental retardation, hyperactivity, dyslexia, it causes immune deficiency like AIDS and Epstein-Barr syndrome. It creates degenerative disease like muscle dystrophy, multiple sclerosis, arthritis, cancer, leukemia, lupus, fibromyalgia, and it goes on and on and on. And the high rate of adverse vaccine reactions is being ignored and denied by conventional medicine. Prior to 1990, the doctors were not legally required to report adverse reactions to the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Procrastination. And the adverse reactions are considered normal and they're ignored or diagnosed as other diseases. And even with this poor system, the reported damage is substantial. And despite their current legal obligation Less than 10% of doctors report the damage they witness to the CDC. So what we have throughout history is many prominent medical and non-medical health professionals around the world have voiced their vehement opposition to vaccinations, calling it scientific fraud. But then we come up with mass vaccination programs. Well, what does it do? It systematically and recklessly endangers the public while it disregards our rights. So since a vaccination breaks the skin, technically you could call it a surgery. And all surgeries by law require informed consent. But informed consent is rarely attained before the vaccines are administered. Administered So the doctors vaccinate the unwitting and the uninformed. And the vaccine manufacturers package inserts, which contain bias industry claims and the bare minimum required by law to reveal are not routinely made available to consumers so they can make a more informed choice. And then there's the double talk and the unethical enforcement like threats and intimidation and coercion 
that are used to ensure vaccination compliance. But why is there no proof that vaccinations are safer and effective? Why are there no control group studies? Why do authorities consider that to not vaccinate is unethical and have refused to study unvaccinated volunteers? So if control studies were done according to honest science, don't you think vaccinations would be outlawed? There's studies that have been done that are not designed to eliminate the examiner's bias. The authorities who compile and report disease statistics work closely with and have a vested interest in companies which produce the vaccines. In other industries, this type of bias was never and is never tolerated. And the injuries and the deaths in these studies are attributed to anything but vaccination to skew the results and make it appear that vaccinations have merit. Then the laws allow the drug companies to violate the public trust. So in private vaccine damage suits, information is revealed condemning vaccines as deadly, but the vaccine manufacturers use gag orders as a leverage tool in vaccine damage legal settlements to restrict the plaintiff from disclosing to the public the truth about the dangerous nature of vaccines. And basically our government has allowed these unethical tactics to be used, which jeopardizes public welfare. So what are they used as a pacifier? Well, the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1987 fits that bill. In that bill, it says that this compensation program, not that it says it, but this compensation program pretends to acknowledge the existence of vaccine damage by making right the wrongs done. Nothing in the act attempts to avert the adverse events from happening in the future. So the National Childhood Vaccine Act of 1987 is the result of the vaccine producers pressuring the government to immunize them from private lawsuits, which can run an average of $4 million a case. And the fund is made up of tax added into the cost to the consumer of each vaccine, thereby making the vaccine consumers pay for one another's and perhaps their own injury. And the vaccine manufacturers They've made themselves immune from accountability. So in the recent years, it's become even more difficult to be compensated through the program due to the parameters for determining vaccine damage changing and coroners now ruling out vaccine damage and charging the parents with shaken baby syndrome. Remember George Bush Jr. way back when? He passed the bill. 
saying that if you suffer an adverse reaction from a vaccine, you can't sue the vaccine industry. (laughs) So the private insurance companies, which do the best liability studies, basically have abandoned coverage for damage to life and property due to acts of God, nuclear war, nuclear power plant accidents, and vaccinations. So a vaccine is not an emergency medicine. And it's claimed that the vaccines avert a possible future risk, and yet people are pressured to decide on the spot. And then the doctor's use of fear and intimidation to enforce compliance is not very ethical. Look, vaccines are drugs, and they have potential serious adverse reactions. And time and forethought should be given before a decision is made. But there's no law yet enforcing vaccinations for babies or anything else, but that's coming. So vaccination is linked with school attendance, but it's not compulsory except in California. And exemptions from vaccinations, although restricted and monitored, are part of every state public health law and can be expanded by public pressure. So the Departments of Health, Education, the American Medical Association, personnel profit from the sale of vaccines, and they keep the existence of and the details about exemptions relatively unknown. Now, if you want to know a little bit more, there's an incredible book out there. The name of the book is Saying No to Vaccines. It was written by a Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. And in the book, Dr. Tenpenny provides this in-depth examination of the adverse reactions to vaccines. She has incisive reasoning over, with over 8,000 hours of research over the course of eight years in preparation for writing the book. So saying no to vaccines is an eye-opening educational guide that will give parents and adults the information they need to have confidence when they say no to vaccines. And the citations taken directly from the CDC documents and the respective peer-reviewed journals are facts not easily refuted by conventional pro-vaccine dogma. So most people are not aware that they should be asking the question, should I vaccinate? And since the first mandatory vaccination law that was passed in the U.S. back in 1903, the belief in vaccination has been promoted by a pro-vaccine government, a pro-vaccine school system, and a pro-vaccine Western allopathic medicine history. With regard to the pro-vaccine government, the U.S. government is the largest purchaser of vaccines in the country. Nearly 30% of the CDC's annual budget is composed of purchasing vaccines and ensuring vaccination is completed for every child in the country. 
And then laws have been passed to protect vaccine manufacturers from liability, while at the same time, state laws require parents to inject their children with up to 100 vaccine antigens prior to entering school. So if a vaccine injury or death occurs after a vaccine, you can't sue the doctor, you can't sue the drug company, and you can't sue the government. But yet you are required to petition the vaccine court for damage, damages which can take years and is often denied. So with regard to the pro-vaccine school system, every state has school vaccination laws that require children of appropriate age to be vaccinated for several communicable diseases. The state vaccination laws mandate that children can be vaccinated prior to being allowed to attend public or private schools. Failure to vaccinate children can result in children being denied from attending school, civil fines and criminal penalties against their parents or their guardians. But what the schools don't tell the parents is that in every state, an exemption exists allowing parents to legally refuse the vaccines and allowing children to attend school. So now with regard to the pro-vaccine Western allopathic medical industry, they advocate vaccines and they demand that parents vaccinate their children or be dismissed from the medical practice. You understand? So a sizable portion of a pediatrician's income is derived from insurance reimbursement for vaccinations and the ever-expanding vaccination schedule that includes increasingly more expensive vaccines has become a source of increased revenue for vaccinating doctors. And unfortunately, many doctors, they don't even read the package insert for the vaccines they so readily inject into the little kids. They're not aware of the full range of chemicals coming through that needle. And as a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle, a brother, a sister, a legal guardian, you have the right to know and you have the right to choose. But parents are busy. They don't have time to spend hundreds of hours researching the medical literature about problems associated with vaccines. That's why... Sherry Tenpenny's book, Saying No to Vaccines, does the work for you. It is fully referenced, fully indexed, and you can refer to that book time and time again to find support for your decisions about vaccination. So why are vaccinations so deadly to little kids? Why, why is that? Because... When they're so young, their blood-brain barrier has not yet formed. So by the time they get 100 vaccines while they're little kids, before they even go to school, that's before they reach the age of five years old for preschool, you've got all the 
chemicals, all the detrimental chemicals passing through their blood-brain barrier. And people are wondering why autism has increased. And of course, you can't blame it on the drug companies because they're immune. You can't blame it on the vaccinations because the pharmaceutical company is immune. You can't blame it on the doctors because they're just doing their job. So what do you do? How do you, how do you correct this? There's years ago, I remember years ago, back in the early 40s, when I was vaccinated, I was vaccinated only for measles, mumps, and rubella. And I also had a tetanus shot. That was it. Of course, I developed asthma. I was fortunate enough not to be autistic because I only had these couple of three shots or four shots. But a hundred shots mandated by people who only want your money, by people who want to reduce the population, by people who want people to be neurologically impaired so reproduction doesn't ever into the, the situation. So years ago, I had a guest on my radio show who told me, I guess about nine years ago, that his son at the age of 16 was sent home to die with testicular cancer. And at the time, he told me his son was 30 years old. Now, I've been on the radio doing a show every week since 1981. Nine years ago, it was 2007. So I'm thinking, oh, come on, man. There's so many people out there pushing magic bullets. So I said, okay, send me your product. And the product that he sent me was organic sulfur crystals. And I get this stuff and it's, I, you know, he said, dissolve a teaspoon in a little water, fill it hot water, fill it with cold water and drink it, yada, yada, yada. I, I couldn't do it that way, so I just wound up putting it in my mouth and chewing it, and I got used to the taste and everything is good. So the product comes in on a Wednesday afternoon. I take it Wednesday evening, Thursday morning, Thursday evening, Friday morning, Friday evening, Saturday morning. So I took it basically... Three, three doses of two teaspoonfuls for three days. And I go through my radio show, and in Hawaii, when the winds come from the south, they're called Kona winds, and basically what they do is they blow the active volcano fumes across the entire island chain. That's when the winds come from the south. That's Kona winds. When the winds come from the north or northeast, they're called trade winds, and that's when the weather is beautiful. So I go do my radio show on a Saturday, and the woman after me has asthma, and she says to me, how is your asthma with the Kona winds? And with a straight face, I looked at her and I said, there's Kona winds. That was 2007. It's now been nine years, and my asthma has not come back. About, oh, I don't know, five, six years ago, maybe five years ago, I had arthroscopic surgery on my knee. 
I blew it out on a basketball court. I was still playing basketball in my early 70s. And I had the mistake of having arthroscopic surgery because basically what it did was it prevented me from having full range of motion in that knee. And it was really horrible. I, mean, I could still walk. I couldn't run anymore. I mean, I could run, but nothing like I used to. But I couldn't bend the knee. And I just figured, well, I never should have had the surgery. It comes with territory. Yet, I have been taking sulfur for nine years. So about two years ago, I'm on a softball field, and there's a big pole there. And I said, just for the hell of it, I want to see how far I can bend down. So I hold on to the pole, and I bend down. And my left knee, which was the operated knee, um, I have full range of motion. And the only reason I have full range of motion was because the organic sulfur crystals healed the scar tissue, which is also what it does. Because the oxygen that it releases proliferates the entire body and heals everything. What we know about so far is 34 reversals of autism. People with arthritis pain don't have arthritis pain. People with irritable bowel syndrome, they don't have that anymore. People with all kinds of diseases, stage four cancers, all, all reversed. We would have had this in everything we ate if the Rockefellers hadn't conned the farmers into believing that switching to petrochemical fertilizers instead of manure would speed up their time for planting crops and they wouldn't have to shovel shit for so long. Well, it was the manure that was rich in sulfur and it was keeping everybody healthy. In their 40s, they switched to the petrochemical fertilizers. Everybody started getting sick. So if you want to know a little bit more about it, you can go to my website, which is healthtalkhawaii.com, and click on products, and you can read all about it. And it works. And I'm a living testament to the fact that it works, that even when we have heavy Kona winds, where I used to have to lock myself in my bedroom and turn on the air conditioner, I can just walk outside and breathe, and I don't have asthma anymore. Anyway, guys, so in the words of that same person, you have to be in the world, but you do not have to be of the world. You got to be here. You got to work. You got to eat. You got to sleep. You got to wake up. You got to do stuff. But don't be a part of the corrupt system. Take responsibility for yourself. Eat proper foods. Read labels. If you can't pronounce it, don't eat it. Try to eat as organic as possible. Next week, I'm going to explain more as to why. Has to do has to do with a lot of facts that the digestive system of human beings is herbivorous, not carnivorous. Anyway, I don't have much time. And George Harris always takes me out. I love this song. So, till next week, I'll catch you all later. Aloha.
The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
Good evening, and welcome to America Betrayed. If this is your first night joining us, this is our third session that we've had since I came back after being ill for many years. Uh, the first uh, time back, uh, two weeks ago, uh, we uncovered uh, the true story of Jimmy Hoffa, what happened to him, who killed him, and what they did with him. A man by the name of John Sorello is the one who shot him, and he was... Uh, uh, ground up on a pig farm in northern Michigan. Uh, that's the true story of uh, Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, the second uh, segment uh, last week uh, was uh, Sonny Bono. Sonny Bono was assassinated by elements of her own government. He was going to expose uh, all the criminality in our government. Uh, when he got back to Washington, D.C., they could not let him get back. Uh, tonight, in the second half of our show, uh, we're going to be talking about my cousin Marilyn Monroe. Uh, Marilyn Monroe was my cousin, which I found out about six, seven years ago. We're going to get into detail of that to show how she was assassinated, not the garbage that they fed uh, the, the public. Hopefully, I'm going to be able to get her body exhumed one day uh, and prove beyond a reasonable doubt that she was assassinated. Also, my guest tonight is going to be Frank George. Frank George is a friend of mine that I've known for many, many years. He's been involved in uh, the battle to try to save this country. He's originally from Cuba. He's been fighting like uh, nobody you would uh, ever see. I mean, I've seen him down at the border uh, many times, uh, putting himself in danger uh, just to try to get the uh, to stop this uh, invasion from Mexico and also now the Muslim invasion, which we're going to be talking about. He did have a uh, encounter in Wyoming where he lives now uh, with uh, uh, putting on a demonstration against these so-called migrants, uh, migrant invasions. So um, we're going to um, get to that, and then. Uh, but right now, I'd like to uh, uh, read something. Uh, this was from 2008. Uh, now, in 2008, when I first started my radio show, we exposed Obama as being a boarding Kenyan and everything else. That came from uh, uh, Phil Berg, uh, who was uh, uh, at that time a deputy attorney general of uh, Pennsylvania. Hillary Clinton had given him all the information, but nobody would listen. We tried to warn people then, but nobody would listen. But this is a, you know, he, he said it even beforehand what he was going to do to this country, but nobody listened. This is uh, from Meet the Press from uh, September 7th, 2008. He was asked about his stance on the American flag. General Bill Gann, U.S. Air Force retired, asked Obama to explain why he doesn't follow protocol when the national anthem was played. The general stated to Obama that according to the United States Code, Title VI, 36, Chapter 10, Section 171, during rendition of the national anthem when the flag is displayed, all present except those in uniform are expected to stand at attention facing the flag with the right hand over the heart, or at the very least stand and face it. Senator Obama replied, as I've said about the flag pin, I don't want to be perceived as taking sides. There are a lot of people in the world to whom the American flag is a symbol of oppression. The anthem itself conveys a warlike message. You know, the bombs bursting in there and all that sort of thing. Obama continued, the national anthem should be swapped for something like less uh, parochial and less bellicose. I'd like the song, I'd like to teach the world to sing. If that were our anthem, then I might salute it. In my opinion, we should consider reinventing our national anthem as well as redesign our flag to better offer our enemies hope and love. It's my intention, if elected to disarm America, to the level of acceptance to our Middle East brethren. If we as a nation of warring people conduct ourselves like the nations of Islam, hope you don't choke on this one, 
where peace prevails, perhaps a state or period of mutual accord could exist between our governments. When I become president, I will seek a pact of agreement to end hostilities between those who have been at war or in a state of enemy and a freedom from disquieting oppressive, oppressive thoughts as we as a nation have placed upon the nations of Islam. An unfair injustice, which is why my wife just respects the flag, and she and I have attended several flag-burning ceremonies in the past. Of course, now I have found myself about to become president of the United States, and I put my hatred aside with, will use my power to bring change to this nation and offer the people a new path. My wife and I look forward to becoming our country's first black family. Indeed, change is about to overwhelm the United States of America. That was him in 2008. He said it all even before what he's doing. He's destroying our military, supposedly bringing it down to the same level as uh, what is in uh, the Middle East. And this nonsense of them all living in peace is just absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, this man is a psycho. Uh, he is a Muslim. He is a communist. Uh, he is a homosexual. He has homosexual past. Uh, Reverend Wright uh, was... Uh, owned uh, the gay uh, uh, bathhouse that uh, he frequented in uh, Ramy. Now, we'll get into that uh, later. Uh, but right now, what i like to do is uh, bring in um, uh, Frank George. Frank George, like I said, has been involved with uh, uh, the illegal immigration uh, uh, issue for many, many years. Uh, we were down at the border together. I interviewed him for one of my films, uh, uh, many years ago, I think it was back in 2007 when the Minutemen first started. But uh, I'd like to welcome uh, uh, Frank George on the air. Uh, Frank, good evening. Well, good evening, John, and welcome back. I'm glad to see that you're back on the air again. We missed you, sir. Well, thanks, George. Uh, but uh, you're a great patriot, and uh, like I said, you, you're out there fighting much more than the so-called Americans that are saying, we don't want this, they don't get off their lazy asses and uh, do something about it. Uh, you do. I mean, uh, um, you know, um, also, before we get started here, uh, Frank, I want to uh, bring on uh, uh, Rattlesnake Ray. I think you remember Rattlesnake Ray. He's my co-host. Uh, normally, he comes on the second half second half hour, but since you're on tonight, uh, he'd like to be on with you and, and also uh, hear about what's happening with uh, this Muslim invasion of our country. Uh, Ray, are you there? Yeah, it sounds like uh, just about the same that's been going on for years. I'm the same thing down to the border. Oh, yeah. I just hang on for a second. I'm here, okay. I just had to blow a little bit of that gunpowder off the barrel of this, this pistol here. But uh, oh. same thing, same thing, John. No change. Yeah. What about, you know, I've heard many times where the Muslims are going to come down there, and, and the Muslims and also this Black Lives Matter are going to come down and get the you cowboys. Do you think that's a, a chance? Well, we've heard it. It you know, went right back to, uh, what, what was it, the Martin Luther King uh, controversy they had in Arizona, and they said a bunch of the, uh, well, it, it was before Crack Lives Matter. They, they were the, the same people who now are, are in Crack Lives Matter. They were coming down out of Chicago to uh, teach us a lesson, take care of us. Uh, we just haven't seen any of them, and, you know, we've had to recycle a lot of ammunition, so we just burnt through you know, fifteen, twenty thousand rounds of ammo per per man, and uh, 
they they just haven't showed up. I don't know why. We're getting tired of shooting at uh, targets and jackrabbits out in the desert. So anytime they want to come down, they're they're welcome. Open invitation, John. Flat out well, open I've, invitation. I, I've seen you in action, Ray, and I've heard about some of the things that you've done, and I don't think they'd be really stupid to go down there with you guys. Uh, really stupid. But right now we're going to uh, get back to Frank George. Uh, like I said, Frank had a, uh, uh, a demonstration, a rally in uh, in Wyoming to uh, try to highlight the, the invasion of the Muslim so-called migrants into uh, Wyoming. And uh, from what he's told me and from what I've heard, uh, it's just really sickening of what uh, – uh, so-called white people, Americans, are, are accepting of these Muslim savages. Uh, j- just incredible. And when I say Muslim savages, I'm talking about people who follow the Koran. If they follow the Koran, to me, they're the work of uh, Lucifer. Because in the Koran, it says that Allah is the number one deceiver. That, to me, is Lucifer. So, in all their actions, that's what it proves to me. Okay, Frank, let's get that to your uh, thing that you had in uh, uh, Wyoming. What, what exactly happened up there? Okay, what happened, John, is that uh, about a year and a half ago, a local family in Gillette, Wyoming, that goes by the last name of Khan, K-H-A-N, Muslim family, decided that they wanted to erect, put up a mosque in Gillette, Wyoming. So they did, and that stirred up the dust. People started coming out, looking at it. There were unpleasant words that were said back and forth. And there are right now in Wyoming between six and seven mosques. So um, there has been anger at the fact that there's a mosque in Gillette, Wyoming, and there were some small protests. Well, we decided to put on a rally, Ban Islam in Wyoming is what it was called. It took place this last Saturday, the 27th, 2016. It ran from noon to a little bit shy of, um, of 3 p.m. If anybody wants to see the videos that we shot of our, <clears throat> our little adventure, you can see it on wyomingagainstislam.com, wyomingagainstislam.com. Well, we tailored it so that we could snag in the mainstream media as best we could, and we also became our own media in case anybody wanted to leave us out. We had a turnout of about 15 on our side, and opposing us were about 30 from a group that uh, bills itself as uh, – uh, don't hate in Wyoming or something like that. They're a group of liberals, mostly white. I, very few persons of any other ethnicity, just white. And uh, we did have a Quran burning. The stations that covered that, there were about three different stations that came out, TV, radio, and such, did not, uh, did not include video footage of the Quran burning. They would not do it out of respect to the Muslims. But we videoed it, and again, if you want to see the Quran burning, go to wyomingagainstislam.com, scroll down through the page, and you will see Chelsea Roan uh, burning the Quran along with her husband, John Roan. Now, the, the Roans are a couple who are white nationalists, and they're very good people. I don't see anything wrong with uh, their particular brand of white nationalism at all. They love their country. They love their race. And they don't like Islam because they recognize it for the problem that it is. We had a rancher. He was our first speaker, rancher Michael Elmore, born in Gillette. He gave us a 30-minute course on Islam, and he was excellent. He told us that uh, Islam is not a fit. He started with the birth of Muhammad and who Muhammad is. So you can find that video there. It's on that page also, wyomingagainstislam.com. And uh, anyone who's not familiar with Islam will learn quite a bit just by listening to him. 
So um, the rally was quite good. We rated it as having been a success. Now, some of the people on our side did not like the idea of burning the Quran, so they left respectfully when that moment came. I can burn it all day long. I'll burn 20 of them a day. I'll burn 40 or 50 of them a day. Burn it all day long. All it is is a manual of evil. We were told by a lot of these folks, well, you know, they have constitutional rights, and religion is protected by the Constitution, and I said, look, uh, this is organized crime dressed up to look like religion for those who are willing to accept that. So I do not consider it a, a religion at all. What if Al Capone decided that in order to legitimize himself, he was going to start a church and deceive everybody? Right, it would still exactly, be organized yeah, Frank, crime. Yeah. Frank, you're, you're absolutely right on this. I mean, uh, uh, First off, Islam does not belong in any Western country because it's their goal to overthrow and uh, completely control the entire world. I mean, that, that's their goal. Uh, their insidious uh, uh, function, uh, they, uh, you know, when, they, when they're marrying uh, six- and seven-year-old girls and, and uh, uh, stoning uh, women to death, and, uh, and I just don't understand the women wearing these uh, burkas and uh, covering themselves up and, and going along with this nonsense, they have a chance to get away, but they're even promoting it much more the, here uh, than, than the men are. Uh, and what's really disturbing is that we, there's 300 sanctuary cities in this country. Sanctuary cities, not only for the illegal aliens, but protecting uh, the Muslims. The Muslims have taken over some cities in, in Michigan uh, where sure. uh, you can't go. Uh, you know, if you're American, you can't go there. And don't think that uh, this isn't going to happen nationwide. Now, we do have one hope, as possibly Donald Trump. Uh, I know he just went down to uh, Mexico to try to uh, smooth things over with the Mexican president. Uh, from my, uh, I know his cousin, uh, the president of Mexico, and I uh, talked to him earlier tonight, and he said it looks like things are working very well. Uh, things He's patched things over, and, and he did a very good job uh, uh, down there in Mexico. So let's hope that we can do this because we're not only being invaded from Mexico, which has been going on for many years, as you well know. You've been down the border many times. Ray, you know it because you live a mile from the border with your ranch down there. I still don't see how you can uh, uh, put up with it. Ray, uh, what, what do you think about what uh, Frank has just said about what happened up in Wyoming? How do you feel about that? Well, first of all, I'd, I'd have to say being in Wyoming and have a very good friend of mine who does have a large ranch in Wyoming. I think Frank has endeared himself to the people of Wyoming more than he could possibly even uh, realize on his own. Uh, but I think what he did up there, he, that's an American. You're standing up for the United States of America, and I honestly believe that these Muslims, along with uh, the chief, Muslim in chief himself, the reason they say he, you know, he's a constitutional scholar, a constitutional lawyer, is he, he studied the Constitution. The same with the rest of the communists in this country that are in his administration. They studied the Constitution in order to use it against us. And that is what I believe that these Muslims are doing. They, they found out our Constitution, well, it's freedom of religion and, and uh, you know, free speech. And I do believe they're using it against the American people, and we've got so many American people who've just been pounded with this white guilt, this uh, anti-Americanism, this anti-patriotic uh, feeling that just pervades this country since we've got old Muslim in office almost eight years ago that uh, 
But people are they're easily led. They follow the uh, you know follow. They're led around by their nose, and and what Frank is doing is exposing the, these people. He's shining the light on the rats. He's just on, you know on the, on, the light on the kitchen, and the cockroaches on, are scurrying. Cockroaches on the rats. You know, you, you see where uh, uh, psycho John McCain has been reelected, and also our uh, slime ball uh, Rubio uh, in Florida. Now, uh, like I've said on the past shows, they control all the voting machines. And what I mean by that, Diebold makes the voting machines, and who was on the board of directors may still be his ex-Senator Hagel. Now, Senator Hagel, when he ran for uh, uh, senator in in, uh, Nebraska, he ran against Ben Nelson, who was a favorite, but yet uh, Hagel won by 80%. I did a little investigation years ago and found out that he was on the board of directors of Diebold. And if you remember, not too long ago, uh, the Muslim in the White House appointed him as Secretary of Defense. That was his reward because Diebold counted the votes in uh, uh, 2008. Uh, they had the deck stacked. Uh, they've tipped the balance of, of even if of legitimate voting, uh, we can't outvote them. Uh, there's uh, really, uh, unless Donald Trump is legit and comes in and does it right, the only other option we have is God has to step in, because if Hillary becomes president, it is all over, period. Uh, Frank, did you uh, want to get into anything that, that, you know, the video I sent you about uh, Michelle Obama and that? Did you want to talk about that at all? Uh, I saw the video. It was most interesting. It was done in Spanish. I think I'd run across it before, but never paid as much attention as I did this time. And the central point here is that Michelle Obama is not a woman, but a transgendered individual who was at one time a little boy and went um, gender reassignment, as one would call it. Uh, Being that this is Barack Obama, I I don't rule it out of the uh, realm of possibility. Uh, You know, Barack Obama's a weirdo. And there's just something wrong with the whole picture of Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, uh, the whole thing. So I would say, yeah, it's possible. It's possible that uh, Michelle is actually or was at one time Michael, and to my way of thinking, even if she went uh, and had uh, surgery, I would still say that it's Michael. And a lot of people have commented upon that prior to this video having been produced actually several years ago, I believe, but in Spanish. And this was shocking. Right. John Rivers, uh, I think, paid the price. It, it suggested that she was taken off because she's the one that first yeah. exposed it to the public, calling uh, Michelle Obama a tranny. Uh, for you folks out there that don't have this number, if you'd like to call in, uh, you want to talk to Frank or Rattlesnake Ray or myself, the toll-free number is 800-932-1980. Again, 800-932-1980. Call in. You want to say uh, you're full of crap or whatever, it doesn't make any difference, just call in. But, yeah, we have to do something. Don't forget now, we are boycotting uh, certain businesses. Uh, One, Target, which has really taken a hit, uh, about $10 billion they've lost uh, because they don't want normal families into their uh, uh, restrooms. They want these uh, uh, sodomites and whatever whatever they call them into the ladies' restroom. Uh, Also, Dasani Yogurt, uh, the owner of Dasani Yogurt, wants to bring in millions of Muslims. Uh, so we want to keep that boycott. Also, Starbucks uh, only wants sodomites in the store. Uh, doesn't want normal families. So uh, that, that's another one to keep up. We, that's the only way we're going to get to these people is hit them where it hurts, and that's in the pocketbook. 
uh, in the uh, next few weeks, we're going to be uh, getting into more uh, uh, so-called conspiracy theories that uh, have been going on. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about D.B. Cooper, the true story of D.B. Cooper. Yeah, I think you'll be shocked when you hear the, the story about this. Also, why Martin Luther King was assassinated. Also, the real story of JFK, RFK, and JFK Jr., and my old friend Ted Gunderson. Ted used to be head of the FBI office in Los Angeles, where I did get a lot of this information. They assassinated him also because he was exposing the fact that uh, these uh, slime balls in Washington, D.C., and they are slime, uh, were uh, committing satanic sacrifices and sex parties with uh, these young kids that disappear. Uh, Chandra Levy uh, was one perfect example. They blamed it on an illegal alien, her uh, being murdered, but it came out that it was a sex group up in uh, Capitol Hill. Now, uh, we're coming up on the break here. Uh, we're going to pl- be playing a, a, a song by, it was one of my guests many years ago, uh, Ray Stevens. I think uh, uh, you'll enjoy it. And then we're going to have another song that really feels how I feel. Uh, it's an oldie but goodie. And again, the toll-free number is 800-932-1980. After the break, we'll be getting into Marilyn Monroe, why she was uh, uh, assassinated, and uh, we'll go from there. See you after the break.
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Hello, this is 
the Illegal Immigration Assistance Program, a taxpayer-funded division of Oaknut for Spanish Press 1, Portuguese 2, Arabic 3, Farsi 4, French 5, Swahili 6, German 7, Italian 8, and if you insist on English, please stand by. Imagine that. Sneak into China, they'll call you a spy and ship you to Mongolia till you die. And in the Sudan, they'll hang you and the camel you rode in on. <laughs> yeah, and don't go hiking and enter Iran or you might never be heard from again. And in Mexico, you might face a firing squad. and driver's license and credit cards and license plates for your car. Lots of jobs for you to do and employers who'll turn a blind eye to. Come to the USA. No need to worry about the Constitution. We'll help you start a house of prostitution if that's the kind of work that you want to do. and cable TV and food stamps and even government cheese. The borders are a swinging door. Go home for a visit and come back for more. There's sanctuary and amnesty. Bring the whole family eventually. Yeah, come to the USA. This has been a public service message sponsored by Oaknut, dedicated to the collapse of the American way of life. <laughs> yeah. That was one of my guests a few years ago. That was Ray Stevens, and I think it really puts it all in a nutshell that these invaders are coming in, getting all this free stuff, becoming an American citizen. Uh, a woman comes across the border and falls across the border, and then uh, the child becomes a U.S. citizen. And illegal Cubans, once they're processed, they get $10,000 in cash, free medical, and a low-interest business loan. Uh, this half hour, like I said, we're going to get into uh, the killing of my cousin, uh, Marilyn Monroe. Uh, I want to uh, just give a little bit of history on her for those of you who don't know. I mean, I think most people know who Marilyn Monroe was, but for the younger generation, I just want to give you a little outline here. Norma Jean Baker, also known as Marilyn Monroe, made her mark 
in just a very few years. The glamour girl of Hollywood was the envy of women and the desire of men. But who really was this glamour girl? Let's get back to the beginning. Norma Jean Baker was the daughter of Gladys Pearl Monroe and Martin Mortensen. She was born June 1st, 1926. Marilyn, at that time, married Mr. James Edward Doherty. After her divorce on June 19th, she then married Mr. Joe DiMaggio in 1954. Once again, after a divorce to DiMaggio, Marilyn happily married Mr. Arthur Miller in New York City. Three men, all failed marriages. Why? Norma Jean was still that little girl looking for the father she never had, and her father left when she was only three years old. Later, when she became Marilyn, she found her father, but he didn't want anything to do with her. On top of that, her mother was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and was committed to a mental hospital in Norway, California. Not a good foundation for one to build on. Now, let's get back to the story about my cousin and how I found out she was my cousin. Well, I don't want to get too uh, much of that. I found out I had to do a uh, genealogy search. I paid somebody to do a genealogy search. It came back. There was Norman Jean Baker. So I did a little uh, uh, research uh, investigating into this to find out exactly what happened. And uh, I found out that uh, Joe Kennedy was... um, uh, the one that gave the order to have her uh, killed because she said she was going to expose JFK and RFK. And uh, he thought she would ruin it for both uh, uh, JFK and RFK. So he gave the order to Sam Giacana. And uh, Frank Sinatra had called her up to uh, Lake Tahoe to try to talk her out of it. And uh, Sam Giacana was there. And uh, he wanted to see if she was really as messed up as uh, Joe Kennedy said she was. He saw that she was. So he gave the order to have her killed. Um, The man who uh, killed her injected her. Uh, He was also an electronics expert. He had to make sure everything was erased from the recording equipment that they had put in Marilyn's house, including Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa had bugged her house. He wanted dirt on the Kennedys. He felt it was the Kennedys that put him in prison. And also uh, uh, J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover hated the Kennedys. He knew that uh, John Kennedy was going to... uh, get rid of um, him because he didn't like homosexuals. But here was a poor, undefended girl all alone in a frightening world, murdered by people that so many Americans looked up to as the ruthless killers of my cousin Marilyn. And from what I understand from my source that gave me this information, uh, JFK and RFK were ruthless killers almost as much as the the Clintons. So, uh, Frank or uh, Ray, you have any comments on, on this? Oh, wait a minute. We got, we got a phone call. Uh, we got a call in here. Uh, hello, uh, Mr. X, you're on the on the show. Hi, John. Long time I haven't spoken to your radio show. Um, I just wanted to give you a call and let you know some new stuff that's going on. Um, so, um, But I might be getting in the middle of the thing going on with Myrna Monroe here, so I'm not too sure if I should be speaking quite yet. Well, uh, w- w- real quick, uh, what can what can you tell us? You're you're down talking by the border, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm right over here by the border. I'm about uh, three and a half miles behind the mountains in San Diego, and um, I, of course, I've continued to do my work. I've I've been very fortunate and very blessed by God to be able to have um, been able to be successful here in the South Bay, and. Um, you know, with uh, a lot of the, the things of the illegal aliens and stuff going on um, throughout the 
the last year or so, I've been involved with things that have to do with uh, people from other countries, um, not necessarily from Mexico, that are also uh, illegal aliens coming in here. And, and I've been lucky enough to be able to be there where they're being questioned and stuff. Uh, you know, people don't realize that illegal aliens are not just from Mexico. They're also from Europe and other places. I had a meeting with the guy that was from Holland who happened to be involved with um, um, being involved with uh, some Russian people coming in, into Holland and beginning to take, you know, getting into the Dutch government. And um, they were stopped, fortunately. And so it's been kind of an adventure over here. The things are getting, you know, really weird, um, you know, with, with uh, Russia and with other countries. And in the Middle East, you know, they, they, they come down to Mexico. They acclimate to the society of Mexico. And, and before you know it, they speak good Spanish, and they come over, they get their passport, and they come over with passports of people that have died, and they speak perfect Spanish, and they're infiltrating our country by, by acting like they're Mexicans with other people's birth certificates, and they're uh, in Mr. here. X. Mr. X, I think you have a, a lot of information there. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you on as my guest ne next week and uh, really go into full detail, okay? Is that all right with you? Uh, yes, yes, that, that sounds very interesting. Um, yeah, I'll have, you know, I got have shot you not week. too long ago. That... <laughs> All right, Josh. Okay, we'll Thank, thanks later. for calling, Mr. X. Okay, okay uh, back to uh, Marilyn. Uh, uh, Ray or uh, Frank, do you have any comments? Hello? Ray, are you there? Oh, Frank is uh, gone. Ray, are you there? No, he's not. Okay. I guess uh, they left. But uh, next week, like I said, we're going to have uh, Mr. X on the show. It sounds like he has a lot of information to talk about what's happening down the border of the San Diego area. Uh, he used to call into my show uh, a number of times years ago. Uh, he's very has a lot of information, so I think we want to hear uh, that. I wanted to get this uh, uh, about Maryland because I think it's really a tragedy that uh, they keep uh, doing this to people, uh, killing them the same M.O., uh, same thing with uh, JFK, RFK, uh, Martin Luther King, uh, JFK Jr. Uh, it, it just keeps going on and on. And now six or seven people have died connected with the Clintons and the uh, DNC. Uh, also, uh, Ted Gunderson, who was a great guy, he was yeah, the head of the FBI office in Los Angeles when it was a good organization. Now it's just crap. Uh, don't believe a word anything they, uh, these people say. Uh, everything is uh, corrupt, but uh, being corrupt now is not illegal. And that's really a shame what's happened to this country. I mean, look what we have. We have uh, uh, this, uh, I don't know what, what you call her, uh, uh, Hillary. I mean, uh, far left, she says she, she's going to bring in... Uh, uh, all these uh, illegals. She wants to bring in all the Muslims. Uh, and before you know it, there won't be in the United States of America. I mean, I, I think it's on the surface, from what I see, it's toast. I mean, we really can't outvote these people. Uh, we can't. Uh, uh, they have everything stacked deck. 
like I said, they control the voting machines. Uh, illegal aliens have been voting in our elections for at least 25 years that I know of. Uh, we did get information. I gave information to the Republican Party back in 95 when I first went into work in Congress in 95, gave them boxes and boxes of uh, of um, illegals, uh, proof that illegals were voting in our elections. They did nothing with it. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, there was something wrong. And at one time I thought the Republicans were on our side. But the one good thing that Trump has done that I know of, he's exposed these rats to come out of their holes to show what slime balls they really are themselves. Congress is a criminal enterprise, a criminal enterprise. Right now, our government is being run by Muslims, Muslims. Now, and you just check, just check out, find out all the people that this uh, Muslim piece of garbage has uh, done to this country. It's amazing that the military hasn't gone in and arrested this guy and taken him out. He's destroying our country uh, little by little, and he's going to do as much damage as he can. Uh, he will try to uh, uh, create a race war, if he can, uh, to declare martial law. Uh, he knows he can't rely on our uh, troops. He'll bring in U.N. troops. There's all types of scenarios. I mean, and they're not pretty. Uh, I, you know, we, we have to do something. The only hope that I see that we have right now is Trump, if he is legitimate. I have some concerns about him, uh, some of his um, uh, connections, some of his uh, uh, friendships are, are really kind of disturbing. But if he can do some of the things that he says uh, he wants to do, fine, but I don't think that the powers that be will let him do it. Uh, there's just too much money involved. Uh, the drug cartels, I know, are uh, giving a lot of money to the Democrats, uh, Republicans, both. Uh, they don't want a wall down there. It's going to make it much harder to get their product to market. Uh, uh, you're, you're talking, you know, billions of dollars uh, there with the drug cartels. You've got the Catholic Church uh, fighting against them because uh, they may receive a billion and a half dollars for refugee resettlement. Uh, then uh, everybody has just got their hand out, and they're destroying the country. They really don't care. I wanted to have Frank George on the show tonight because, like I said, he's originally from Cuba, and he's seen what's happened here, and he does want the same thing to happen to our country that happened to Cuba and also Venezuela. Venezuela, what a tragedy, absolute tragedy. They're one of the richest oil-rich countries in the world. And the communist uh, Cubans, the Cubans have, have done it. They went in, they siphoned everything out of uh, Venezuela. The people down there are starving. They can't get medical care. Uh, they have to take their own bandages and anything to the hospital. Uh, they have to eat dogs, uh, whatever, whatever's available. I went down to Venezuela because my wife is from Venezuela. I went down there many, many years ago. It's a beautiful country and beautiful people. And now the communists that are doing the same thing here, just completely destroyed uh, a beautiful country. And it's really a shame. I mean, people, you can't believe the way they have to live down there. And believe it or not, the same thing will happen here. It's called the boiling frog syndrome. It'll happen very slowly. I mean, you put a uh, frog in a in a uh, hot uh, water, he'll jump out. But put the same frog in, in some cold water and then gradually turn up the heat. Before you know it, he's cooked, boiled. That's the boiling frog syndrome. And that is happening. Don't think it can't happen because it's already happening. It already has happened. Looks like we got Ray back. Looks like something happened with our communication down there. 
Ray, were you able to hear uh, uh, anything about Marilyn? Oh, just just a slight little bit, John. Not too much, no. Okay. Well, you know, I don't know if you heard the ending. Uh, she was uh, uh, killed by uh, Joe Kennedy while gave the order. Uh, Gia Khanna uh, carried out the order, and she was, uh, you know, a very distraught person at the time because they threw her aside. They treated her like crap. The Kennedys and also the mafia, and uh, they they killed her. They they just uh, yeah, and then everybody believed the uh, the nonsense that uh, you know she committed suicide. That's a bunch of crap. I, I talked to a couple of people that did films with her. I talked to Tony Curtis before he passed away. Asked her what he thought of her, and he thought she was uh, very uh, bright and very funny. I talked to Jane Russell, who did a, a movie with her, *Gentlemen Fur Blondes*, which really put her up at the top there. And she felt the same way. She was very bright, very funny. Uh, how, what's your feelings on it, uh, Ray? Well, the uh, I've always kind of thought it. You're reading in between the lines. You don't ever know. But uh, I think Joe Kennedy actually gave the uh, go-ahead to kill his son, John, because he owed the, uh, the mob so much. He was so heavily in there. I think he actually decided to save his own life and sacrificed his, his son. So uh, No, no he, di- he didn't do that. Uh, we're going to be talking about JFK in a future show, probably the next couple of shows. Uh, JFK was killed by the CIA and the mafia. Uh, originally, they were going to kill Robert Kennedy first, uh, but somebody in the CIA uh, went to him and said, if you do that, uh, uh, JFK being president will destroy you. Cut off the head and we'll help you. Uh, Lyndon Johnson knew about it. Uh, Richard Nixon, uh, Jagger Hoover knew about it. But... Uh, that's who killed uh, uh, John Kennedy. We'll also be talking about Robert Kennedy when they saw that he was going to get into the reason why they wanted to kill Robert Kennedy. He was going after him as attorney general, really messing with him. And they were really upset because they felt that they got John F. Kennedy elected by their crooked uh, politics of voting in, in Chicago. So they felt betrayed. But then later, when they saw that uh, uh, he was going to possibly get into the White House, they had to do him in. And that was the mafia, also. The mafia and the yeah, CIA. Yeah, I, I say I, I wouldn't put past you know Joe Kennedy knowing that uh, being involved with the mafia, knowing that was going to happen. He had no uh, control over it, you know. Just basically, well, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. But uh, you know, it's just all oh, there's just so much. <laughs> it just goes back and forth, uh, John, so much that I there's nothing that I put past anybody in the government. And I think that the only reason we're finding out a little bit more today is because there's so much uh, information and misinformation out throughout the uh, with social media that more people have become aware. And uh, because of the current state our country is in, I think more people are paying attention before the the whole thing just goes to hell. But uh, yeah, the CIA, uh, the person, the person, the CIA. All indicators are it was George Her- Walker Bush uh, that uh, did that. Also, uh, uh, I've seen new evidence to show that uh, uh, this uh, senator from uh, Texas, his father, looked like he was probably a handler of uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald never fired a shot. Uh, he was a, like you said, a patsy. He never fired a shot. But we'll be getting into that. Uh, uh, Possibly, uh, well, next week we're going to be talking about D.B. Cooper, and that's a pretty interesting story. Uh, D.B. Cooper, his real name was uh, Walter Pica. Uh, he passed away about a year and a half ago. 
the FBI knows. Uh, work with him. You'll find out uh, next week uh, the whole details. But uh, he was caught by the FBI three months after he jumped and all this nonsense. Well, we're closing the case now because we don't know who it was. That's a bunch of, bunch of nonsense. The reason why I'm uh, releasing all this information now is because I, I'm tired of it. Uh, I stopped doing the show for a few years. I got ill. And I never thought I'd be doing the show again, but there's just so much uh, crap going on now. Uh, this all has to be exposed. And when I saw uh, the autopsy report of how they killed Sonny Bono and also my friend Ted Gunderson, I said, somebody has to do something with these evil people. I mean, Washington, D.C. is nothing but pure evil. It's a criminal enterprise. These congressmen and senators are making millions of dollars. They could care less about you or me. Uh, they're being paid by the Muslims to destroy this country. Now, they don't care if they destroy With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.